On this episode, we discuss Unforgettable. Wait, what was this movie about? I forgot. <laughs> oh, Elliot, there he goes again. Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey, party over here. It's me, Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalin from what sounds like the bottom of a well. Hey, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Elliot's recording in a different room than he normally does, and he's very concerned about yeah, it. Yeah, the bottom of a well. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I found an ancient Roman cistern in my backyard, and uh-huh. I decided to climb on in there and turn it into a recording studio. <laughs> yeah, you, you're, uh, you're like a real Lara Croft. Lara? Oh, yeah. Lara? Lara? I don't remember. Uh, it's pronounced Larry. Larry Croft. <laughs> oh, no. Not yeah, that they again. wanted a boy. Yeah. Oh. Larry Croft, tomb buyer. <laughs> <laughs> he's, just, he's just a realtor? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. He buys and sells tombs. He's in the tomb real estate business. Because mm. here's the thing about tombs, Dan. People are dying to get in. Okay. Ugh. I'm That's- a dad. <laughs> So uh, so when you become a dad at the hospital, they, they go down a list of the types of jokes you can't tell anymore. And they're like, okay. funny jokes, can't tell them anymore. Uh-huh. Witty jokes, no. Relevant jokes, no. And I'm like, well, what kind of jokes can I tell? And they said, hold on to your hat. All the bad jokes. And I was like, all of them? And they said, mm-hmm. And they give you a book called A Thousand and One Terrible Jokes for Dads. And I've just been memorizing that stuff, you know? Now, what about dirty jokes? Like, can, I guess you can tell them quietly to like someone's uncle in the corner of a po- uh, adult party. Yeah, you have to make sure your kid is far enough away that they don't think you're talking to them, but close enough that they can overhear it. Right. All right. But, and yeah. you can tell dirty it, jokes if your daughter's friends are in the house too, just to embarrass <laughs> her. <laughs> all right. It's all, well, in, it's all in chapter one, embarrassing <laughs> your child, which is also chapters two through a hundred. <laughs> Wow, there's a lot of chapters in this book. Well, it's that, it's really more of a multi-volume set. Robert Caro wrote it. Yeah. yeah. See, now that we know what we know about Bill Cosby, I guess you can take over the dad humorist uh, mantle, uh, and you can start doing all this dad material now. I mean, I think uh, Dave Barry has that locked down pretty really hard. Talk, I don't feel like he talks about dad stuff so much as like uh, uh, lo- uh, lo- uh, guys, local man guys. does crazy thing. What? Two names. Two words. Yeah. Ray Romano. Okay. <laughs> sure, yeah. Ray yeah. Romano has it locked up. Have you ever seen <clears throat> the video of him performing at the White House press dinner? No. And he's doing his regular routine, so he's talking about how his kids dream about candy, and there's, like, no laughter in the room. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, this is not the material that's going to hit well with these Washington insiders, these Beltway boys. Come on. Yeah. They don't have children. They reproduce with spores. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. They reproduce through leaks. Um, so this is a podcast where we watch a bad movie. Oh, fuck, we already started. And then we talk about it. <laughs> and hey, guys, uh, we, we're just coming off a run of real fun shows. We did some live shows recently, and now we're back to doing the podcast the way we do it nowadays, which is you in Brooklyn and me in Los Angeles, and all mm-hmm. of us tired. Yeah. Yeah. It's real weird. Luckily, we watched a bad movie that got us all fired up. So mm-hmm. now, I don't know when so Dan, Ale- what do we what do we do on this podcast? 
I said it already. Have you already, have you already forgotten? <laughs> Jesus. No. Uh, so I don't know when Elliot watched this movie. You watched this movie recently, Stuart. Yeah, now, yesterday. I watched this movie. We were going to record this. To pull back the curtain a little bit. We're going to record ah! this. In, uh, that was me. That was you pulling back the curtain on me taking a shower. Yeah. We were going to record this in Los Angeles, but you threw your back out, so we couldn't record it there. Uh-huh. Um, and I had watched the movie already by then. Yeah. So me I too. Wrote, Ironically, this movie called Unforgettable is largely forgotten because it was like a month ago that uh, that I watched it. So, Stuart, you're gonna like you're gonna take up the mantle, right? Gonna, like, oh, it's my time to shine. Yeah. Okay, Actually, guys. I, well, I, I will say I watched the first hour of it a month ago, and I watched the last 26 minutes of it about a week ago. So that's okay. still pretty fresh in my mind. All right. I refreshed myself by looking at a plot synopsis. Does that help? Uh, yeah, yeah, really? sure. It's great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <clears throat> that's the thing. Uh, that's the thing that's great about doing a movie podcast is watching the movie as far in advance <laughs> as possible, <laughs> and then spending the whole time trying to remember what happened. Yeah. So, so uh, do you, Stuart, you want to take the reins, and I'll just chime in when I feel like it. Oh man, that's. Let me uh, consult my complicated note system. Uh, so we open in a, a, uh, sure. Why not? So this is a movie called unforgettable. <laughs> okay. Um, starring, based on the song of the same name. Yeah. Starring, now, I'm, sorry. Oh, no, sorry. Stuart, you keep going. I'll, I'll, I'll introduce my fact when you're done with telling who stars in it. Okay. So it stars Rosario Dawson and Flophouse fave, Catherine Heigl. In fact, we should call this the Heigl house. I think. <laughs> Should we take well, a vote on it now that I've, I've put the motion on the table? I think I've got to second this motion, Stuart. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Dan. So call up iTunes and change everything. Okay. <laughs> call up Bob called- iTunes. Tell them to put a new name in there. <laughs> yeah. Hygelography. Mm-hmm. Well, this is our new, our, is this our new theme month of Hygelvember? <laughs> yeah, it's our poorly punned theme month. <laughs> Hygesgiving? Yeah. Uh, I was going to say about this movie that I didn't realize till after I watched it, and I was looking up, this was directed by a woman named Denise DeNovi, who produced a ton of movies. Yeah. She produced Heathers. She produced a ton of Tim Burton's movies. Like, she knows movies. So, and this was her directorial debut. And so, going into, I'm glad I didn't know that going into it, because I think I would have expected a different, uh, perhaps better movie Mm -hmm. than I got. Okay, you're uh, showing your hand a little bit, but that's that's all right. So but I'm bo- saying this is this is there's powerhouse people behind this, so we're punching up. So it's okay to say terrible things. Dan, go for it. Say something terrible. Um, w- w- Rosario Dawson is wasted in this role. <laughs> all right, Gene Shallot. Great, Stuart. <laughs> back to you. Okay, so the movie opens. Rosario Dawson, who is not wasted in this role is covered in blood in a police station being interviewed yeah. by the actor who played Bunny Colvin on The Wire. So you yeah, know yeah. he's good at being a cop. Um, <laughs> so he's like, hey, who's this dude? We found him dead in your house. What's going on? And why did you send him all these pictures on his Facebook? Um, so They also the- have, a, they have a pair of her panties, too, that they say she mailed to him. Yeah. So at this point, it, it looks like she's going down. Cut to six months earlier, and yeah. we're in San Francisco, which we're going to be in soon. More on that in a little bit. <laughs> December 9th. Get your tickets now. We're in the offices of Chapter Pad. <laughs> Wait, I think it's called Chapter Page. 
No, it's chapter pad. Uh, nope, chapter pad. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Stuart and I both uh, have I don't notes, know. and you're Let's trying see. to remember a movie a month old. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I watched this yesterday. No, Dan's probably right on that. Uh, <laughs> so we're introduced to Whitney Cummings. Wait, who- hold on a second. Let's <laughs> take a moment to talk about what Chapter Pad does. Chapter yeah. Pad appears to be some kind of a storytelling website. Yeah. Uh, and what that means is never totally clear if it's fiction or nonfiction, and well, whether Rosario Dawson is a writer or an editor or what. Yeah, I had a problem with this because I immediately assumed like, okay, ChapterPad is probably like just like a blogging site, like a place where people can upload whatever stories they want to upload, and like that makes sense, kind of as like a thing that could maybe make some money. Uh, but then later on, Rosario Dawson is like has to edit a story that someone submitted. So then I'm like, okay, well, is this like a literary magazine? Cause there's no way this startup works as, as that. And then later on after that, Wendy Cummings is like, Rosario, you got to get in that story that you promised us. It's like, wait, you're a writer for the site now too. Like, I don't understand what's going on in this, this uh, internet company. It, uh, do- let, it uh, doesn't make a lot of sense. It's almost, let me explain guys. Oh, okay. what say, We're just going to say like, is the reason that they're a startup based around like story stuff and she's a writer is because that's more feminine or something? I don't quite get it. Like, I think, well, the story reason for it in the movie is that this is a job that you don't really, nobody knows what writers do or what editors do. So you can just kind of have her not doing her job and yeah. no one cares. But here's the thing, Dan and Stuart. Chapter pad is disrupting the way we read stories oh, okay. by bringing together the internet, and a lack of those gatekeepers who are keeping you from reading the hottest, hardest, hardcore erotica by amateurs around. You wouldn't know it from their squeaky clean offices or the fact that it seems to be almost entirely staffed by women, which, to be honest, is fairly accurate to the publishing industry. But Chapter Pad said, hey, who says Moby Dick can't have hardcore sex scenes in it? Who says that A Tale of Two Cities can't now be a bondage story because that's what chapter pad does. It takes the great works of literature, puts them in the hands of fan fiction amateurs and turns them into the 50 shades of grays of tomorrow. And you can read it on your phone with the chapter pad app. Hi everybody. I'm Elliot Kalen for the chapter pad app. Have you ever been on a bus <laughs> or waiting for a meeting and you've wanted to read a version of Dante's Inferno. That's lighter on the Catholic theology and yeah. heavier on the sex. Have you, well, ever been in, <laughs> have you ever been in public and wanted to get a boner? <laughs> All Hi. the time, I'm guys. Elliot Kalen for, for publicboners.com. <laughs> publicboners.com is your place for things that you can look at in public safely, but will still give you a boner. Well, it depends on what you're turned on by. Are you turned on by maps of countries you've never been to? In that case, publicboner.com is the place for you. It's mainly public domain maps of places I assume you haven't been to. But ChapterPad, it's disruptive. It's disrupting the way we read. It's disrupting the way we think. Disrupting the way we disrupt and disrupting the way we disrobe. Dan Stewart, would you like to invest in this new startup? I need a couple of unicorn investors, uh, some Pegasi, if you will. I What's know Pegasus uni- wh- is not technically a unicorn, but whatever. Let's just go with that. So wait, Do you have any questions? What's, what, what's a unicorn investor? A unicorn investor is like a someone who's going to give you all their money and expect nothing in return. And it's called a unicorn investor because much like a unicorn, a virgin needs to sit down in the forest <laughs> 
to attract the investor. The investor lays its head in her lap, and then we murder it, split it open, take the money that's inside, oh. and use it to invest in our business. Okay. What I'm talking about, guys, is a BAFO IPO. I just need your money to help get Chapter Pad off the ground. Then we go IPO. We release a zillion shares for three zillion dollars, and we're so wealthy we can escape to the moon. So, <laughs> wow. think? that's the Chapter Pad promise. What, what can, what, so, what can you tell me? I wasn't realizing that this was like a plot to get off world. I didn't know we were doing <laughs> the jumbotrons already, <laughs> guys. Guys, What's have happening? you ever wanted? Have you ever wanted to make enough that you can finally move to Elysium? Because that's what Chapter Pad offers with this investment opportunity. <laughs> I think instead of doing that, I want to get some kind of terminal like brain cancer and then get a robot exoskeleton and then fight my way to Elysium. Sure, that's the traditional way to get to Elysium, sure, but I'm offering a shortcut. Invest in ChapterPad, help people read public domain fan fiction sex versions of the classic works of literature, and we all win. That's Ellie Kalen for publicboner.com chapter pad. Dan, you got a lot of money, right? You're always bragging about it. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the key uh personality trait that I mean that people that, you know, I don't need to tell you the listener. You've been listening to 240 some episodes now that you know that I am rich uncle pennybags from uh No, Monopoly but you're always I, bragging about it off air. You're always yeah. like those rubes that listen to our podcast don't know that I'm swimming in the bucks. <laughs> Dan actually has a solid gold handkerchief and it's yeah. gold doesn't absorb mucus. So no, he just blows his nose into it and then throws it away. <laughs> it is Hopefully, ineffective. It is yeah, poorly if designed. It, if it absorbed if, the mucus, he'd hold on to it for future yeah. generations. <laughs> and if Dan, when he throws it away, if he hits a homeless person in the head with it, he goes, ka-ching, bonus <laughs> points. <laughs> Look, I'm doing a homeless person a favor. They can sell that gold uh, hang- the handkerchief for big bucks. Bafo bucks. Yeah, that's uh-oh. Maybe I should get them to invest in my in my uh, in ChapterPad. So anyway, uh, yeah, they work at ChapterPad, a storytelling website, and it, they give Rosera Dawson a birthday party thrown it's, by her friend a, slash boss. It was a going away party. Oh no, you're right. It's a going away party from her friend slash boss Whitney Cummings, and uh-huh. Whitney Cummings gets her a hat as a birthday present. Uh-huh. And oh no, it's a going away present. They really spend a lot of time talking about that hat. Creator of two broke girls, Whitney Cummings. Yeah. Talk about a someone you can, should get into and invest in something. Like yeah. she's got the money. So she gives she gives a she gives her a hat, which is awesome because you know Rosario Dawson loves hats. Yeah, and then uh, and the way they're talking, you realize that she's leaving San Francisco to marry a man, marry a fella, in- and that she had just come out of a. Uh, a, what a bad relationship! An I don't abusive know how an abusive. She was the she was the victim of domestic abuse with yeah. her ex boyfriend, and now yeah. she's but she's leaving all that behind. She's going to Southern California, and she just drives there. And at a certain point in the opening credits driving trip, her suitcases open up and all her clothes fall out while she's driving. <laughs> yep. And you just have to assume she never gets those again. It's a weirdly Muppet moment in this <laughs> otherwise very serious, you know, like. Uh, love triangle thriller. At that point, that is the butterfly shedding its chrysalis and moving on. Uh, I also oh, like I that. See. Uh, I also like that the street that she drives away from in San Francisco that she was living on is Cervantes Street. Guys, do you get it? Uh, named I after mean, named, uh, named after Cervantes from the Soul Caliber video game. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah, wondering where you're going with that. After. It was just like. Yeah, this really is a modern day Don Quixote story. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And, uh, what, I don't know anything about that. But Soul Calibur, <laughs> what a game, dude! 
It's a modern day Soul Calibur story. (laughs) And also, one other other thing in the opening credits is you get that moment where there's an executive producer credit for Steven Mnuchin, the secretary of the treasury, who's a real piece of garbage. So that's a nice moment when you're like, oh, when I rented this on iTunes, he got a penny from it. I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like that at all. Uh, oh man. So that's basically where my notes end. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I'll take over from here then if you want me to. Yeah, you can, you can take over. I'll jump in. Okay. We cut to Catherine Heigl is putting on makeup. Oh uh, my God. I love this part. She is allowing her daughter to put on a drop of her perfume. And then she says, now you're perfect. Just like mommy. (laughs) (laughs) What a great introduction. She's a real, and so she's the ex-wife of Rosario Dawson's fiance, and uh, she's being kind of polite, but the music tells us she's very creepy. She's very controlling. She's a real robo lady, a real Stepford ex-wife. She's an ice queen stereotype, basically. Yeah, and not the fun type of ice queen like in Frozen, where she has ice powers and sings Mm -hmm. songs about letting it go. She does never sings a song, and she does not have ice powers. Except the power to freeze Rosario Dawson with fear. Now, and what give is, audiences and give audiences the chills. Yes, Dan. What? Now, let me say, let it go. What is it? Uh, the restrictions that she's had through her life before then. I mean, the song makes a lot of sense in the context of the film, <laughs> okay. Dan. That up until that point, she's been told she can never use her powers in public. She has to pretend to be someone she's not. And now, you know what? She's already in trouble. She's off in a frozen wasteland. Let's just make an ice castle for herself a la Dr. Manhattan on Mars and Watchmen, and uh-huh. who makes a castle out of glass sand. And yeah. uh, he, she just like, let it go. I mean, the lyrics, if you ever listened to it, are not, yeah. if you've ever listened to the movie version, are all about, I have these powers, now I'm just going to see how far I can go with them. The Demi Lovato radio version is not about that at all. It seems to be about a relationship gone bad. Well, ask a stupid question, get a serious answer, I guess. Yep, that's that old Al Jaffe department at MAD. St- serious answers to stupid questions. Where, like, it would have someone being like, uh, Good Friday? What's so good about it? They crucified him. And this person would be like, Well, it's a different understanding of the word good than you're using right now. It embodies, you know, the good news that mankind can be redeemed of their individual sin and original sin through the blood and the suffering of Christ. And the person who asked the question is like, uh, I just kind of wanted to make a joke real fast. <laughs> I'm a, and the answer, I don't know if you notice this. I'm a dad making jokes over here. <laughs> and the answer is like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize you were a dad. Go about your business. <laughs> you just show your dad license and you're allowed to make any dumb joke you want. So anyway, uh, Rosario Dawson and her fiance, who I don't remember his name. He is like the blandest, dullest, white man type of character he's like and he used to be a, in a he used to work in finance now he's achieved his dream of opening up a micro brew and I it fucking is hate this he is, guy <laughs> everything about him is so hateful to me he's like you know that he was like a fucking college lacrosse player or some shit and like had a ton of fun with his with his buddies chet and goober back at the frat house and probably was terrible to women and now he's just a winner all through life yeah. he never has to shave he always has a little bit of stubble because you know what? It looks he look, if he's a little disheveled, it looks super sexy. You but know? not enough stubble. My I watched this with a friend, and she was very adamant that uh, anyone starting up their own microbrewery should have had a full beard. Like that was the thing she found <laughs> least believable about this uh, movie. Yeah, you uh, don't ever I, really I see it. him. You also don't ever really see him like 
work? <laughs> no, nobody ever has to work in this movie. They have so much time to just wander around eating lunch and just talking to each other and getting into tension. They never seem to have to do anything. It's even as parents, because the, her fiance has, again, this uh, like almost tween daughter with Katherine Heigl. They don't ever have to do that much parenting. But anyway, yeah. uh, there's a moment. So they're taking the daughter for the weekend. And there's a moment where the daughter, I guess, I don't know if she had a bad dream, but she crawls into bed with her dad and her stepmom-to-be, and it cuts to Katherine Heigl in her bed at her <laughs> house, and she briefly awakens because her, her, her paranoia sense that she might be being replaced, like, triggers something. It's <laughs> like, amazing, yeah. It's one of those moments where you're like, is she, like, an otherworldly creature? Like, is it possible that, is it possible that Katherine Heigl is actually, like, a dryad or something like that? Like, she's, I don't know. She's certainly possessed by some kind of demon, and we'll get to that more later. Um, oh, yes. So, yeah, at that point... Oh, so, so, at that point, the dad can't make dinner. You know, Catherine Heigl shows up unannounced at dinner where Rosario Dawson is cooking, and she is kind of shitty to her. She makes pasta because Rosario Dawson's food is too spicy for her daughter. Too spicy because her daughter has only been uh, exposed to the most Caucasian of foods, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the, the hint of ethnicity that comes with Rosario Dawson is just too much. It's uh, this, this macaroni and queso is just too spicy, I guess. <laughs> this is a very – what's weird about this movie is that you could totally see this movie – maybe it's the Steven Mnuchin connection. I don't know. But it's like you could totally see it as a kind of Trump movie where it's like – these non-white women are coming in and stealing our white husbands from our white selves and our white daughters, and they're cooking them spicy food. This is outrageous. Her hair isn't even the right color. Like it's a, there's a, there's a, there's a. Maybe it taps into something, you know, a real sense of anxiety that the Catherine Heigls of the world have now in Middle America and in the wealthier enclaves of of uh, the suburbs. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, they keep talking about how this is a small town. Uh, but they, the only houses we see in this small town are really big. Are enormous. Um, and I don't think that small town has the labor to run a brewery. <laughs> like well, they what you don't know is they actually work, they actually live in Galt's Gulch from the Atlas Shrugged books. Oh, okay. where, uh, all the creators, Atlas Shrugged books, the one book, I thought, because <laughs> they made the three Atlas movies Love out of it. Like, trilogy. But- it's, yeah. yeah, the Atlas Shrugged trilogy. The uh, <laughs> that they live in they live in Galt's Gulch, where all the makers and creators went to get away from all the takers and the leeches. So that guy, I assume, all the rich people just kick in and help each other clean their their own houses and run their own breweries. But everyone in the movie seems to be super just wealthy and have no cares Affluent, in the world, except yeah. that their lives might be stolen by this woman from San Francisco. Something we learn. Rosario Dawson's restraining order against her abusive ex-boyfriend has expired because she gets a piece of mail that tells her this. And also, Rosario Dawson makes it clear she's not on Facebook. Why would she be on Facebook? She only works at a website. She only works in the in the world of social marketing and online media. Why would she be on Facebook? I mean, I was under the impression she wasn't on Facebook because after this abusive relationship, she deleted all that shit. Oh, that's probably it. That makes sense. I mean, that's... Okay, you know what? I retract it. Movie, you make more sense than I thought. So it moves... After this uh, situation, you know, Rosario Dawson's explaining that she wants to be... She wants to be good at being, you know, a mom in this case. So she uh, is working on... She's working on this big activity board, which is the real lesson of the movie, guys. Activity schedules. That's the thing that's really unforgettable. 
Am I right? <laughs> no, it's very forgettable. That's why you need the board. Oh, uh, okay. So cut to a scene of Catherine Heigl doing some angry horse riding. <laughs> yeah. I think you skipped. Ride angry skipped 3D. Part, uh, yeah. Uh, you skipped the part where in the middle of the night, Rosario Dawson hears a creepy noise. No, it's just the daughter's hamster. No, wait, that's her boyfriend at the window. Oh, no, wait, it's her fiance at the door. And he likes her food. And it was like the movie just didn't want to commit to any one jump scare. It was like <laughs> it kept coming up with new ideas and just throwing them out at you. But it was the rare moment in the movie where up to this point, anything was really happening. It felt like a movie that was content to kind of like sit around and wait for something to happen. Like yeah, yeah, characters yeah. would just kind of interact and be around. Real cinema verite. Are you including the jump scare where he eats some food and you're and he likes it and you're like, oh no, that was the food Catherine Eigel made. And then he's like, no, <laughs> it's your food. I, I would, like it. I, I would like it if <laughs> the movie just continued like doing jump stairs, scares after the guy came home. Like it was just like, oh, something's on the porch. Oh, it's a raccoon. And then, like, she goes to bed and she, like, does that thing where she closes the mirror on the, on the, uh, what do you call the, it? The, above the sink. Yeah. And someone's standing behind her and it's just like, oh, my mom came to visit. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. And she picks Non-stop up some mail and she's scares. like, oh, no, it's a bill. Oh, no, it's for someone else. Because <laughs> <laughs> bills are the really scary thing. Am I right, guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Buffalo Bills are a scary football team. So, <laughs> and, and a scary serial killer. <laughs> yeah, so now we're introduced to, uh, we have a, what a dedication ceremony for the brewery. And that's well, where we figure that, out. It's parent, before that, it's parents' day at school. Uh-huh. And I was, I was watching this scene with my wife, and she described, uh, Catherine Heigl gives her daughter what my wife described as the least affectionate hug I've ever seen. And Heigl sees them all, like, leaving without her. And it was at this point that I was kind of curious as to why Catherine Heigl didn't get to spend any time with her daughter. But we learn why later. Uh, go to the – okay, the brewery is opening. Stu, what happens? Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's where you're introduced to what this guy does for a living. And uh, yeah, I just don't like this guy, man. Like, uh, And we're also introduced to the idea that Catherine Heigl, I guess, is still a partner – I'm assuming she yeah. was part of the – she owns part of the brewery. They make jokes about how she won't even drink beer. Uh, and She takes the microphone at the ceremony and says she wasn't thrilled that he was chasing his beer dream, but she wishes him the best. And it's very clear from her tone that she does not wish him the best. And she's Especially also wearing the uh, – she's also wearing the white dress that Rosario Dawson had tried on earlier that day to be a possible wedding dress. That's yeah. Rosario Dawson stopped at Catherine Heigl's favorite dress shop and tried on some dresses. She bought one, but she didn't buy that white dress. Uh, and I should mention, we know that Catherine Heigl wishes only the worst for everybody and is a bad person because, as you mentioned, we saw her intensely riding a horse. And for some reason that I can't quite understand, riding a horse, a woman riding a horse in the movies has become shorthand for she's a bitch. Like if a woman is riding a if a woman is in jodhpurs and a riding cap and is riding jumping yeah. a horse over some hurdles, it's like, oh damn, she must be a total terror. She's a total shrew. Why else would she be interested in communing with yeah, this animal yeah. for a it's, moment? That's how I felt true. when I'd watch Mad Men, and I'm like, now that's I get why Don Draper is such an asshole to people. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> he's got to come home to this horse riding lady. It's true, though. Like, I, I mean, I assume that the shorthand here is like, oh, she's a rich person. Like, she's from the upper classes. Like, that's what yeah. that's what uh, most horse riders are in in culture. I mean, like, not really, probably, but I mean, it takes I mean, a lot in, of money. In to have like, a a, in what, like Western culture, right? 
Yeah, in Western culture? Not like Wild West, but like... In, <laughs> yeah, I was like... like what? I'm well, assuming no, there's cultures like, where like everybody rides horses. Yeah. Yeah, there's... And uh, and also, sometimes a woman is just riding a horse off a diving board because wild hearts can't be broken, you yeah. know? Yeah, and she's, she's not a bitch at all. But they, it's I feel like especially in... I think it's real more of an East Coast thing where people cannot afford to to ride horses unless they're wealthy. Yeah. It's like, oh, she's riding a horse. Either she's a real jerk or she's like the prim daughter of a rich man and some scruffy guy from the streets is going to have to teach her the ropes of life. And it's how she's dressed. If she was wearing like a fucking flannel shirt and just some jeans, people would be all about <laughs> it, right? People would be like, oh, yeah. yeah. Then I- you just assume she's going to go host her own HGTV show where she like... She's doing all the construction herself with her oaf of a husband. Mm-hmm. I want to say uh, that'd be called that. Don't impress me much, right? <laughs> <laughs> Dan, you assume. Uh, no, I want to. Which say, is a mistake. I, because no. when you assume, Oof. well, you assumed <laughs> that I said dad joke assume because I <laughs> said I want to say, which oh, yeah, sounds yeah. kind of like assume, but not really. I misheard. Okay, I'll <laughs> save my dad joke for later. Dan, you wanted to say. Uh, Dan, as Dave Matthews once said, what would you say? I would say that I, even though she's being coded very obviously as being a villainous uh, shrew woman, mm-hmm. uh, I, had, I had a lot of sympathy for Catherine Heigl early in the movie uh, because, you know, she's being replaced by a, a new woman in her old, her, whole, her old life. She's saying her daughter, you know, look to this new mother figure. And mm-hmm. uh, I thought, and a, was, and a woman with, I mean, Rosario Dawson is rightfully so. Uh, you know, she's has a she has a mysterious past. Like she's not super comfortable sharing all that information yeah. with other people. And if you're trusting this person to basically be a, a big part of your child's life, I could see, yeah, being nervous about it. And I sort of sure, like, sure, I sort of like enjoy that the movie spent a little time, sort of giving this villainous character a little depth. Yeah. Like, you know, a reason to think of her as a... Yeah, no, I I, I I agree with Dan. uh, This is the kind of movie where the the mother... A mother sings Alouetta to her daughter, and it's presented as a chilling moment. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, this should should haunt your dreams till the the end of your days. Is that more like upper-class coding? It's just like, oh, this woman knows French. She's no good. I think so. Yeah, but I would. Yeah, she's this new woman's coming into her life that she doesn't really know is going to be taking care of her daughter. And this woman, Rosario Dawson's from San Francisco. Best case scenario, she's a full house. Uh-huh. Worst case scenario, she's a Zodiac killer. Yeah. I mean, come on. <clears throat> so this, uh, so that you know, this party goes on. Rosario Dawson is dancing with her uh, her fiance. And Catherine Heigl, but she left her phone sitting on a table, which is crazy. Why are you doing Rosario that? Dawson did. Yeah. And uh, she's receiving text messages from, I'm assuming, Whitney Cummings. Uh, and the whole since, t- there's, since, since no other human being has been established in the world in this movie, you have to assume it's Whitney Cummings. Yeah. And the she, of course, is getting the text messages and the whole text is popping up on the screen, which is crazy. Why you be doing that? <laughs> Why don't you Why fix do your you phone, be doing dude? That? <laughs> fix your phone. So Catherine Heigl sees these texts and realizes, oh my God, they're engaged. They're going to get married. Uh, so she steals the phone and has sex with, uh, has angry sex with uh, Just, one of the guys who works there. Yeah, some dude. 
Um, With a stranger in a car in the rain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then she lets him out. She's having used and abused him. She lets him out in the rain, refuses to drive him anywhere, and speeds off. She goes, she dismounts, then goes, go, now. Yeah. And uh, it's raining very hard for Southern California. I'll just say that right there. Mm-hmm. It's one, here- one of the rare sex monsoons that we have. <laughs> when, when someone has angry sex in a car, huge rains. It does terrible damage to property. I don't know if you saw in the uh, I don't know if you saw in the credits, but there's a, they snuck a little Easter egg in there for real fans. That actor, that character's <laughs> real name. Real fans is, of what? <laughs> Unforgettable. Yeah, the, the character's name is <laughs> for the for the for, for the forgetaheads. Yeah. yeah, the character's name is Horace, which sounds a lot like horse because she oh. rides them when angry. Eh, yeah. eh, I just made all that up. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so his name is not Horace? <laughs> I don't know. It was a joke. Come on. Laugh a little. <laughs> Live it up. I, I thought you were positing some sort of unforgettable Louis C.K. cinematic universe where that's Horace from Horace and Pete. Uh-huh. Louis C.K.'s sadness show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, unforgettable, just as funny as Horace and Pete. <laughs> or, or he's Mickey's friend, Horace Horsefeather. The horse character. I thought his name was Horace Horse Collar. I think it's Horse Horse Feather, but we can look it up later. In either either case, it's funny. Well, you know, just laugh. It's funny. (laughs) Listeners, write in in and and weigh in on the Horse Feather Horse Collar debate. (laughs) Send in your questions. We'll be doing a live debate on CNN in three weeks, and uh, we'll be answering some of your questions about this. Oh, you're right. It is Uh, Horse Collar. I looked it up right now. Listeners, don't send in your questions. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the debate is over. I won. Oh, yeah. I'm now uh, the president of, I guess, wow, Elliot, Disney characters. <laughs> Elliot's dabbing over there. That's crazy. <laughs> what? Oh, wow. Don't you even, are a dab. Don't even worry. Yeah, about. I don't know what that means. What's so, that mean? Uh, well, so she... <laughs> Catherine the only I, thing, Stuart, the only thing I'm dabbing is paint onto this old car that I'm restoring in my garage because I'm a dad now. <laughs> uh, yeah, the only thing you're dabbing is barbecue sauce off of your, uh, your what, the college sweater your you're wearing? <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Like my, uh, my apron that says, kiss me, I'm Irish, and the joke is I'm not Irish. No. Uh, uh, so anyway, Catherine Heigl goes to one of my favorite things, which is a really fakey internet search engine. She goes to backgroundprobe.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she gets the password to Rosario Dawson's phone and links the phone to Rosario Dawson's computer. Now, guys, she- I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to call you guys out right now. But do you guys ever use the digits from your birthday as a password? Because that seems crazy. Yeah, that does seem crazy. Uh, I don't really want to talk about what I use as my password. <laughs> don't use the digits on my birthday. <laughs> okay. But so, so he does it use just seems like on his an, birthday. Uh, it seems like an obvious <laughs> no, thing. My password is one two three Elliot. Oh, oh okay. wow! Uh, <laughs> you changed your tune pretty quick, Elliot. Well, you know that's just uh, okay. Well, let me tell you what my password is for real. Okay, mm-hmm. my password is Fidelio. <laughs> Fidelio. Oh, yo, so you know it already. Yeah. <laughs> but Dan, what's the second password? Uh, there is no second password. Damn, okay, you got through my system. All right, well, I guess, welcome to my masked orgy. Uh, how's it going? <laughs> Just the two of us, <laughs> I guess. I'm, yeah, I, I'm kind of waiting for other people to show up. I was allowed to I'm believe. I'm glad that you guessed the passwords because I was getting pretty bored just sitting here naked in a mask eating Tostitos by myself. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, until anybody else shows up, we should just play some Parcheesi or something. 
Yeah, that is the sexiest of the board games. Uh, yeah, let's set it up. I don't know how to play it, but uh, okay. Or you could just have some of these olives. There's just bowls of olives everywhere. That's a pretty sexy snack, right? Yeah, you eat it with your hands. Yeah, and you can pretend it's witch's eyeballs. I mean, most snacks you eat with your hands. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, I guess unless point. you're like unless you're bobbing for olives. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, so it's either that's either incredibly difficult or incredibly easy. Depends on the olives to water ratio. Yep. The brine really gets in your eyes. The traditional <laughs> summertime Tuscan uh, or game bobbing for olives. Now, the hard part, too, is when you're bobbing for the olives, your mask keeps slipping off. So everyone yeah. learns your identity at the secret elitist orgy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, Dan, you guessed the password, so I guess you go first, take off your clothes, and start bobbing for olives. <laughs> okay. So I love when they Zip. I love when they pop open <laughs> I – lo- I love it when they pop open Rosario Dawson's phone. She just has all of her important documents on Yeah, it. she has her documents on her phone somehow, like – do you guys do that? I, Am I doing being an adult wrong? Yeah. <laughs> like right now, yeah, I need to keep it all in one place. I need right? to get a new watch band for a watch that I love. And I don't know how to do that. So I mean, what do I do? <laughs> There's like a nice like watch uh, repair shop on Vanderbilt, actually, that probably could hook you right up. But uh, guys. I'm oh, wow. Stop you right okay. okay. <laughs> well, you're right there. Local Brooklyn uh, promotion of local Brooklyn businesses. Let's, let's save it for your podcast clockers, which is all about <laughs> local watch repair shops. <laughs> and uh, we'll go on to uh, or, or your other podcast, The Built Boys, where you talk about businesses on Vanderbilt yeah. in Brooklyn. Let's talk about that later. Now, Clockers is how- Clockers is different than Clockstoppers, my podcast, where I just talk about the movie Clockstoppers. <laughs> yeah, very different. Uh, now, Catherine Heigl finds a selfie of Rosario Dawson in bed with her fiance, and mm-hmm. she like reacts to it physically, like it it's, yeah. it shakes her to the core. So no wonder that she looks up this abusive ex boyfriend on Facebook and then contacts him, pretending to be Rosario Dawson. I was watching this with I was watching this with Charlene and she was uh, talking to the movie at this point. (laughs) She's like, "Don't do that." (laughs) She's gonna connect to him on Facebook, which is a really weird option to have in that background check website. I mean, I guess if you're using that that background check, what wait background? What's the fucking name of the website? Backgroundprobe.com. Yeah, I guess if you're using backgroundprobe.com as a way to like. Find old like people you went to high uh, like high school with that for some reason you didn't immediately just go to Facebook for. Uh, I guess I see why you would have a connect to this person on Facebook hot link on that page, but that seems Yet another weird. thing about the movie that actually makes a lot of sense when we dig into it. Yeah, yeah, okay. I guess this movie's like perfect. A, it's like a steel trap. It's so tight. So anyway, uh, Catherine Heigl is setting things up. Uh, she, Catherine Heigl's mom comes to visit, and she's played by Cheryl Ladd. Uh-huh. And she is, you see where Catherine Heigl comes from, because she is a kind of brittly critical blonde wealth bot. Yeah. Like, uh, she, is, she is to Catherine Heigl what Catherine Heigl is to a normal person. Like, it's just, uh, ex, it's uh, exponentially uh, more critical and emotionless and wealthy and blonde. And you, she must ride like seven horses at once. Like that's what <laughs> yeah. I get from this. Or maybe she rides like a giraffe. I don't know. Whatever I had to, I had to slam, I had to slam on the pause button and then go to information on this movie. Cause for a second, I thought 
Did somebody, did the TV just change to the movie The Granny, which is a horror movie about an <laughs> evil monster granny? But you know what? I, no, I was actually watching the movie Unforgettable, which is what we're talking about today. <laughs> Fascinating. Glad you spun that yarn for us. <laughs> uh, so uh, her mom is, she's, Catherine Eagle says, I think I'm going to have to get a job. And her mom's like, no, you don't. You should just get a new David. You ruined your last marriage. You have to get a new one. And uh, Catherine Heigl sadly watches her wedding video as she overhears her mother criticizing her daughter. And it's like, th- and it's another moment where you're like, oh, okay, now I kind of sympathize with Catherine Heigl. Like, she's a- she wasn't born a monster. She was made a monster. This yeah. is, you know what? I have sympathy for this devil. Hoo, 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 hoo. <laughs> oh, wow. Get the songs <laughs> the out up front. I love it. Uh, yeah, and, uh, yeah. Rosario Dawson meets with some of her fiance's uh, friends and they all talk about how they like coming over to the house now that uh, Catherine Heigl doesn't live there because before when they would come over, they'd always have to be walking on eggshells. <laughs> what? This is a, what, what, like, what is this a like, music parody of? It's is a, a walking parody of Walking in, in Memphis. Because I would have, I would have gone to walking on broken glass, but uh, uh, I guess, yeah. I mean that's not song. it's not not my range. Uh, Dan, what song about walking would you have used? Unlike uh, unlike when you sang it, where you were pitch perfect on that <laughs> perfect one. pitch. Because I also you also could have gone. I'm walking on eggshells. Whoa! Yeah. and don't feel bad. Yeah, that's just no, a good you song. Can, or like you could I go out walking on some eggshells <laughs> after midnight. No, wait, but when guys, I go to Heigl's house, guys. But I'm walking on eggshells. <laughs> Wait, what? what is that your That's walking in Memphis one? again, too. <laughs> okay. Okay. You know you what? I don't recognize the song once. Shame on you. Don't recognize the song twice. Shame on me. That's on us. <laughs> oh, man. Walk okay. like you're on eggshells. There's a lot of walking songs. I guess we you do it a lot as a human being. It's a common human experience. <laughs> yeah. So we now cut to a scene where Dan's like, "There's a lot of songs about love. Why is that?" I mean, we don't say we don't. You know, we don't sing a lot of songs about breathing, other than the air that's that true. I breathe. Uh, and every breath you take. Okay, that's true. And, uh, and what's I, that? What breathe by Pink Floyd? All right. Yeah. Fine. But there's not a lot of songs about pooping. Why is that? <laughs> uh, let me introduce you to a bunch of heavy metal songs. <laughs> <laughs> there is a uh, there is a YouTube video where a little girl sings a parody of "Let It Go" called "Let Me Poop," and they ha- she literally there's a new verse for every verse. Like she really goes all out with it. So uh, if you want to hear a song about poop, that's one. Anyway, uh, so what is this when we learn that t- that Catherine Heigl actually cheated on her? Husband David, and that's why the marriage broke up. Yeah, it's somewhere around here. Is that where they, uh, when they go to that Mexican restaurant that is very well appointed? Oh, then maybe that's earlier. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, they, uh, Catherine Heigl has lunch with Rosario Dawson at a at a Mexican restaurant where I think they yeah. both just have like green salads. And it's yeah, still and, and bridges. And by green salads, you mean a ton of margaritas, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, they are ladies buying expensive dresses in the middle of the day with nothing to do. And the so. uh, I couldn't take my eyes off of the statues in this restaurant. Like, there's all these sombreros and like, like sleepy guys wearing sombrero statues in the restaurant. It's really great. <laughs> <laughs> so it was called PJ Racists, is what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, I don't know. It's it's in Southern California. I don't. 
Isn't there a lot of great Mexican food in Southern California? Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, there is. They tend not to have sleepy sombrero <laughs> statues in the restaurants, yeah. though. Yeah, yeah. Just in my, I know I've only been here for a few months. Maybe I haven't been to most of the restaurants. I mean, this seems like a pretty affluent white town. Like, I feel like most of their restaurants are racist caricatures. I have to assume this is my backstory for that restaurant. Much like uh, David, the the fiance, quit his job to open a brewery. There was some young stockbroker who now he's not young anymore. Now he's he's approaching forty, or he's in his early forties. He's like, I always wanted to open a Mexican restaurant. But he doesn't know anything about Mexico or Mexican food, so he fills it full of sombreros, and they just serve, like, hot dogs and salads. <laughs> but they call it Mexican food because you can have a margarita with it. Yeah. 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 So technically, yeah, technically, if they get taken to kid's court, they can, they can prove it. <laughs> it's called – the name of it is Jose Tequila Shots, and that's the Mexican restaurant in town. So around okay, this time so- – Around this time, we're introduced to the idea that uh, Rosaria Dawson is obviously freaking out. Somebody, uh, she's missing her she's, engagement ring. She's getting a lot of anonymous phone calls, mm-hmm. and her engagement ring is missing. And uh, and we also see a mysterious begloved person uh, steal into the home while Rosaria Dawson's about to take a bath. In the middle of the day. I don't know what her lifestyle's like, dude. Sometimes you just need a bath. <laughs> this, she's super stressed, and she's super stressed out. She almost goes back to smoking cigarettes. I mean, which is a sign of being stressed out. Haven't you? I mean, haven't you taken a shower in the middle of the day? You know, where you're just like the morning no. has got the morning has gotten away from you. You're like yeah, you, you're just like slobbing around the house. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. So here's the setup. Dan you're was right, making she was a big slobbing around the house. Dan was eating a big bowl of chili yeah. and got all over himself, <laughs> and he's like. <laughs> I can't I can't go out tonight covered in chili. I might yeah. as well take a shower. Okay, fair point. Yeah, because he, he got it all, all in his hair. He was, yeah. he was also <laughs> I'm a real chili boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that is that Dan, that's the dating type that you are that you list on dating yeah. websites? Chili I'm boy. a real chili, chili boy. Chili boy looking for <laughs> single woman. Yeah. I'm spicy and messy. I'm a real chili boy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Looking for somebody who can sop me up. Oh, gross. So, okay, pretty uh, gross. Uh, so, so Rosario uh, Dawson almost, almost smokes cigarettes, but we also see cut to Catherine Heigl when she's in her like evil lair using the computer and she's vaping it up because she's a bad guy or she's just really fancy and refined, right? Is that what vape is code for? Yeah, uh, it's code, it's code for fancy and refined, like Jabba the Hutt, the original vapor. <laughs> sure. I would like to see, I would like to think that like there's pot in there and like she's a secretly like a pothead. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> maybe it's, you know, the SoCal lifestyle. Yeah, sure. But you'd think she wouldn't be so uptight. Yeah, I know. She w- was a constant pothead. That's the thing. Like, she has the kind of, she just keeps getting the kind of pot that gives you a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like, she's got a really bad. Bizarro pot. The kind of pot that they grow on Bizarro World. So was this when, is this when we have the, uh, that, that montage, the weird sex montage where Rosario Dawson oh, yeah. has sex with her fiance in well, that's uh, a ladies room? That's a little bit later. Let's we'll we'll quickly get to that. Uh, Rosario Dawson is bonding more and more with her future stepdaughter. Uh, she's having nightmares about her abusive ex boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, that scene where she was going to have a bath it ends with her finding flowers from a mysterious stranger on the front door, and she has a very hostile re- interaction with uh, Catherine Heigl, who yeah. just stops by to drop off some mail. Also, uh, Catherine- uh, unmotivated body double butt alert in that scene too. What, do you check that out on Mr. Skin? No, I remember it from the fucking movie. I watched the movie Unforgettable, and I noted the unmotivated body double butt shot. 
Okay. How do you know it wasn't Kath? Uh, how do you know it wasn't Rosario, Rosario Dawson? Dawson is not going to get naked for Unforgettable. Okay. She did for that uh, for that Danny Boyle movie, right? Yeah, but Danny Boyle <laughs> is Danny Boyle. Wow, harsh critique of Danny Boyle from Elliot. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, Catherine Heigl spends forever making a fake Rosario Dawson Facebook page and chatting with the abusive ex-boyfriend, really getting him turned on, sending her coy Rosario Dawson fo- pictures she stole from the, from her phone. I was kind of uh, hoping it would turn into like a weird episode of that show, Catfish, at this point. <laughs> that's when they have their lunch at the Mexican restaurant. Catherine Heigl says, I had an affair that ruined the marriage. I have in my notes here, they have huge drinks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Catherine Heigl says, the problem is that David, her ex-husband and, and Rosario Dawson's fiance, is sexually insatiable. I thought we might get back together, but we didn't. And she's he just always needs sex. And uh, she goes home, and Catherine Heigl goes home and mails a, a pair of Rosario Dawson's underpants to the abusive ex-boyfriend. And a, uh, and a key to the house. Yes. Rosario Dawson is under such stress right now that at the local carnival, she loses <laughs> the daughter for a split second. She turns her back thinking she's being followed. The daughter has run off. And this is, to be honest, if I entrusted my son to somebody and I showed up, I was like, where's Sammy? And they're like, oh, uh, I lost him. I would be fucking pissed. Like, I'd be so mad. But uh, David starts doubting Rosario Dawson's sanity like he just yeah i mean much about her past he's keep in mind that this daughter once this is a carnival where every person is either covered in face paint or wearing a hat (laughs) so like yeah it's like some kind of nightmare hellscape (laughs) it's your it's a basic carnival yeah everyone's it's all terrifying uh rosario dawson and Catherine heigl have a fight over the daughter while uh well Catherine heigl is forcing the daughter to ride a horse she's trying to force her into that mean Ice Queen lifestyle. The daughter just doesn't want it. The daughter chooses Rosario Dawson in front of the grandma, shaming Catherine Heigl particularly. And it's like, oh, (laughs) damn. Now it's going to get really bad. Here is when we get – now we've caught up to the scene. Stuart was talking about. It's an investment dinner with investors of the brewery. Yeah. And Rosario Dawson seems to go into a fugue state, obsessing over Uh Catherine Heigl's former sex life. And she pulls her fiancé into a bathroom, and they have – incredibly intense sex that neither of them seem to enjoy very much. They're just smashing furniture over and stuff, slamming into walls. And the looks on their faces are like, both of them thinks the other one wants to do this, but neither of them want to. So they just look really grim and upset the whole time. It's terrible. And it's, this is intercut with shots of Catherine Heigl having, uh, what like chat, Chat sex with... It's called cyber sex, Cy- Sorry. Uh, she's cybering with the ex-boyfriend. So she's cybering with the ex-boyfriend. While pretending the, to be Rosario Dawson. The abusive Dawson. boyfriend while pretending to be Rosario Dawson while pleasuring herself. Um, and yeah, it's just a whole sad scene, uh, which was made more enjoyable by uh, watching it with my wife, who kept complaining that you don't get to see the guy's butt. <laughs> <laughs> the... Uh, Here's the thing about this this scene. There's a this movie up till this point is kind of like is kind of halfway dull, halfway has potential to be a crazy movie. And I feel like it's this scene where the movie is just like fuck it. We're going all the way. This is a crazy movie. Yeah. And you have this like double terrible sex scene where Rosario Dawson and her husband are engaging in this grim, unenjoyable bathroom tryst where they're like tearing at each other it's almost like it like um they are they both hope that they're going to wake up from this at any moment it's just going to be a terrible <clears throat> dream that they had yeah and Catherine heigl is basically doing what happens in 
Showtime TV shows, like the the show or Cinemax TV shows. Uh, like it's that it, the movie's just like you know what? Why are we hiding anymore? Let's just be a crazy movie, uh-huh. guys. Guys, let's stop pretending we're crazy. Let's just be crazy. <laughs> yeah, but a crazy movie that's unwilling to show this fellow's bottom. <laughs> hey, it's crazy, but that doesn't mean it has to be uh, vulgar. It's a double standard, <laughs> man. They, they showed Rosario Dawson's butt. Come on. Uh, so, you said it was a double, Dan. I'm using shorthand, Elliot. So Rosario <laughs> Dawson's character. So you had mentioned that uh, that we were expecting some kind of fallout from the uh, from the daughter shaming her mother in front of the grandmother. Right. And boy, do we get it because uh, Catherine Heigl then uses this as an opportunity to cut her daughter's hair very short, yeah. revealing. That this little girl's either wearing a super bad wig at this point, or the first hair was a super bad wig. I can't tell which was which. You don't think they shot the movie in sequence and actually cut her hair? And dyed it? Because <laughs> it's like, she's a brunette at this point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's possible that that's what happened. Uh, so, which one do you think of the wig came in? I think it was always a wig? I think, I think, it, I think it's a wig now. I think, I think that little girl has naturally very blonde hair. So would you say that Catherine Heigl at this point is wigging out? <laughs> I mean, I would say dad that. Yeah, joke. Yeah. It's <laughs> a dad joke again. A joke from a dad. So it's bad. It's a dad joke. So the little girl's got her hair cut and it's like a normal person's like slightly over the shoulder haircut, but it's treated like you have just scarred yeah, this girl a war crime. <laughs> You've mutilated her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You took one of her fingers in the form of hair, which will grow back. And uh, uh, that's introduced in a scene right before Rosario Dawson is backed up the stairs by Catherine Heigl. And then when she gets to the top of the stairs, she does a little bit of play acting and then falls down the stairs as if Rosario Dawson pushed her. Yeah. And everyone assumes Rosario Dawson did it. Clearly. It gives her the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. This is one <laughs> of my problems with movies like this is um, – you know, these ostensibly loving relationships, as soon as someone starts getting gaslit, like the husband always like is like immediately doubting the this woman guy he's is such a fucking with. idiot asshole. Like at the at, this is clearly the point where Rosario Dawson would go to him and say, look, dude, your ex-wife is fucking with me. Yeah. Deal with it. She threw herself and down he the knows, stairs. He knows his ex-wife is crazy. He doesn't like, like he, he knows that this, that's the like, thing. Does he like, he's such an oblivious fucking moron that like, he is like, I don't want to get political again, but this guy is like the movie embodiment of white male privilege where he just kind of, he just kind of hovers through life and does whatever he wants. Never. The fact that he has a daughter and his fiance comes in from San Francisco and he immediately is like, take care of my kid. I got to go do some shit. Like that's crazy. He like he never does anything. Yeah, like does he just assume he's like, yeah, you know, my ex-wife, uh, yeah, she's high, she's got high standards or something. Like what? <laughs> she's clearly like <laughs> he dated her since college, right? They don't look that young, so he's been with her. He's known her a long time. Like, I don't think they ever spent that much time together, though. Yes. It's one of those one of those couples where they were always kind of like doing different things. And they just kind of came together to have joyless bathroom sex at investor dinners. Another one, and they had a daughter once, and they were like, oh, he's like, now this is your job. You take care of her. I'm going to go drink beer for a living and never shave. 
Anyway, got to go for that mountain hiking trip with my buds. See ya. Hey, <laughs> oh, wow. honey, can you can you take care of making all the food and doing all the shopping and buying the clothes for her? Because I'm spending a lot of time pricing out camping gear. I mean, I like I really need to get the best sleeping bag. Wow, this feels uh, like it's, it's the- coming from a really real place inside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As a heretofore. Uh, untapped my well of Elliot, like you know, bitterness on Elliot. Elliot, you, you can you can go camping if you want. You yeah, know? it's fine. okay. It doesn't make you a, it doesn't make you a bad dad, dude. You can go on a camping no, trip if you I want. No, I can't do it. I can't do it because it would make me a bad dad. No, but he's he seems like the kind of guy who spends a lot of his time talking to his friends about expensive things to buy. Like yeah, either watches or suits or or like sporting gear or like he's really into or he's really into sports, but he like. He likes to talk about the equipment more than anything else. Uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's the it's uh, he's he's like a lifestyle brand type guy. Um, he is like a walking lifestyle brand. He's you. He like walked right out of a bonobo's suit catalog, or like a <laughs> or like a GQ one of those pages where it's like, what's the best type of fountain pen to buy? Something like that. Yeah. You know, he watches Mad Men, and he's like. Oh, if only those were the days, right? And totally doesn't get what the show is about. Yeah, yeah. You know, I like to think of myself as a real Don Draper. What an asshole. Anyway, so he doesn't believe Rosario Dawson. And it's this at this point that her voice gets more and more gravelly as the movie goes on and she gets sadder. Yep. And it's like you can track where her psyche is by how gra- by how much vocal fry she's emitting. And uh, this is where she brings in a little bit of reinforcements. Uh, her friend comes down from San Francisco and mm-hmm. uh, they do a little bit of uh internet hacking right <laughs> that's right they start they hacking into the, the mainframe <laughs> yeah they ride the nexus into the uh hyperloop yep and so she uh she they find of course Catherine heigl's got a couple skeletons in her closet that she has what what what's the skeleton, the skeleton of a house oh yeah the- she burned down she found out her dad was being unfaithful to her mom, and she burned down her dad's house. But she was a miner, so the records were sealed. Yeah, yeah, we and got sealed go miner records. I feel like sealed records of a miner is now like all-purpose thriller go-to like uh, plot device. Well, it's so easy to look up somebody's background online now. Like it used to be that you could have a whole thriller, and then at the end, it turns out, oh. She spent time in an insane asylum. I never knew that, but now you just find that stuff really easily. So it's got to be sealed records. And while I found this movie's handling of something like this a little or, bit insensitive, or seal records or yeah. seal records like Kiss by a Rose. Anyway, Dan, I'm, I'm, anyway, glad, you made, I'm glad you made that joke. Uh, <laughs> I and I don't know what the name of the record is. Kiss by a Rose. I think that was just the song. Um, the uh, <laughs> the but I feel like I feel like this movie's a little bit insensitive with dealing with. Uh, a minor who is clearly the product of a bad situation and using that as incriminating evidence against her. Whereas on a show like crazy ex-girlfriend, I still find, uh, I, st- I still like the way that movie, that show handles it, which is, ir- uh, has some eerily similar plot elements to unforgettable. Well, I mean, they're, they're, the tone is different and the crazy ex-girlfriend is the, is the protagonist of that show, <laughs> even though she's a sociopath. Yeah. And is, and is performed by the uh, very charming uh, Rachel Bloom. And those songs. How many new songs do they have every episode? It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this movie, no songs. Yeah. 
<laughs> Stuart no, Wellington actually, gives this movie one star. <laughs> in his review, he says, his review is two words, no songs. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it's no crazy ex-girlfriend, says Stuart Wellington. <laughs> he gave the movie Xanadu five stars. He said lots of songs. <laughs> Yeah, I'm basically writing I'm writing movie reviews just so that Amazon movie reviews will retweet me. Uh, now you want you wonder you're like how she should talk to to David, her fiance, about what she's just learned. Clearly, he's yeah. on a business trip. He'll deal with this Catherine Heigl situation later. Uh, honey, I know you're being gaslit right now by my ex-wife. I gotta go on this business trip, so I'll see you later. But then Rosario Dawson comes home one day from somewhere, and who does she discover in her house? Her ex-boyfriend. Bum, bum, bum. They have a confrontation. She escapes by stabbing him in the leg. She and, we, out. and we know at this point that this guy's going to die. Like, this was in the opening of the movie. Yeah, the if opening we the movie the kind of, opening of the movie, by this I, point, I thought I it didn't. was I thought it was unforgettable. Um, so <laughs> I was a little nervous when this character showed up because I was a little nervous that this abusive boyfriend was going to show up and just get accidentally killed by Rosario Dawson. Like she had been so gaslit that she just killed him upon seeing him. Yeah. But luckily he's given a chance to be, cause that would have sent a fucked up message that this abuser doesn't deserve, uh, you know, whatever happens to him kind of, but luckily he is a fucking total asshole before he dies. So I don't know. I was just a little I was just a little nervous that the movie was going to try and say something like, you know who the real monster is, not this abusive boyfriend, but Catherine Heigl. Right. Um, It was going to be a real witch hunt for abusive boyfriends. But no, he slams her into a wall and is a real, real jackass. Let's just say that. And uh, (laughs) I think that's kind of a weak term for someone who abuses women. Let's call him a really brave of you, He's being What's he, what is he? Let's just say he's a real uh, he's a real piece of work. Yeah, what is he going to uh, go camping? <laughs> I don't, yeah. uh, she runs out and Catherine Heigl walks in and is like, she's in full supervillain mode. She's like, oh, you ruined it. You screwed up and stabs him to death through the chest. Uh-huh. Thus killing him. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, she basically like hits the off switch on him. Like as yes. soon as that knife goes in, he's done so. Uh. And so she, the police pick up Rosario Dawson because as a new person in town who is not fully white, she's the first suspect, has to be. Yeah. Uh, it's all the evidence is circumstantial, so they can't hold her, but they clearly think that she did it. Meanwhile, Catherine Heigl brushes her hair and puts her ring back on like an evil robot. And her fiance shows up to the police station. The police give them, uh, give him all this, the like, messages that Catherine Heigl had been sending this guy and it makes makes it look like Rosario Dawson was grifting him and was going to steal his money and then go back to her ex-boyfriend. Uh-huh. The guy, of course, being an asshole, totally believes it. And for like, he is so gullible. He believes it. He goes back to Catherine Heigl's house where Catherine Heigl is burning the evidence and wearing the wedding ring. He literally walks in on this (laughs) and he's like, Wait, I figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like, yeah, like Catherine Heigl herself is the evidence. He's such point. a dumbass. Like, I hate this guy so much that he figures everything out by walking in on it. Yeah, good work. <laughs> good work, Poirot. Like, that's the only way that he's going to believe that Rosario Dawson isn't a bad guy is by walking in on the evidence. 
I it's I'm surprised they just didn't have him walking on in on her, stabbing the the ex boyfriend, and then was like, "Babe, what's going on? Huh? What's happening? This guy uh, giving you trouble?" Like, and she would have to be like, "I'm a, I'm an evil person, <laughs> and I'm framing your fiance for murder. I killed this man." He'd be like, hey, "But what's going on, babe? Hey, he's like, what's uh, he's like, moms? You know, moms get worked up. That's all I'm saying. Moms care about their kids." Is this like a period thing? Is that what's going on? Because oh, I don't need boy. to know about that. <laughs> wow. That's the kind of stuff they say. Wow. Elliot, Elliot, Elliot's, imp- Elliot's impression of this jerk really got under Dan's skin. I <laughs> just like, <laughs> like even, even putting that in like the voice of another person, like disturbed me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing about uh, real art, Dan, is sometimes it, uh, sometimes it sounds like Elliot's really cool voice. I don't know. Fuck. Yeah. Um, and art's not on. just about reconfirming the things you already love, Dan. Art's mm-hmm. about challenging you and shaking up the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, he walks in on her, uh, and Catherine Heigl's like, Rosario Dawson is stealing my life. And David's like, I'm out of here. And so Catherine Heigl, what can she do? She hits him in the head with a fire poker yeah. and knocks him out. Like, and uh, fucks him up, Yeah, dude. he is seriously injured. Like, for a while, I'm worried that this guy's dead. Like, I was yeah, like, this I thought movie's... She, ca- she could have caved his skull in. Yeah. Then. Yeah, because blood's coming out of every part of that head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even this, the hair follicles, blood's just seeping out of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he's got scurvy or whatever. Yeah. His eyeballs are bleeding. What if it was the, what if it was the case that she actually missed him, but he had scurvy, and it was at that point that he passed out and blood was just coming out of him? <laughs> yeah. It's possible. All we I know mean, about him is that he drinks beer all day. <laughs> I don't know what kind of vitamin C he's getting out of that beer. I mean, I think, I, I, I mean, feel like be, he could probably survive off beer for a while. Maybe he's drinking, uh, you know, like a wheat beer. So they're putting orange slices in there. He's getting some vitamin C. <laughs> yeah, or maybe he's I drinking. Hope so. <laughs> or maybe he's drinking Guinness back when they still used uh, fish bladders before it was vegan. <laughs> fish bladders. Yeah, they used like fish bladders for some shit for a while. I'm not. Uh, I'm not making this up. No, you can't make this stuff do- up. Yeah, it's tr- truth is stranger than fiction, Dan. Literally. Were they strain the beer fiction. through fish bladders? Like, name what was the- one. Yeah, I think Name they one would fiction like, that's stranger than truth. Name one. Uh, stranger than fiction. Okay, good point. Okay, <laughs> hoisted me on my petard on that one. <laughs> well, that it was so obvious, oh Elliot. Like, it's, it makes I sense did, that you would overlook it. I didn't think he was going to. Yeah, it was like the purloined letter just hiding in plain sight. So, okay, so, so Rosario Dawson so, sneaks in Splinter Cell style, and uh, she, avoid, <laughs> she avoids the patrolling enemy of Catherine Heigl. Uh, she finds... She gets the daughter, Lily, yep. and puts her in the car. Which I kind of like. I like that her first her first instinct is, I gotta get the little kid out of here because shit's gonna go down. Yeah. Yeah, and also because, worst case scenario, she has a great daughter instead of a crappy husband. Yeah, and I the mean... Things don't work out. At this point, she's like, I don't want this little girl to see me beat the shit out of her mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Woo! Woo. Yeah, world star, all that stuff. Uh, so anyway, he knows world star, but not dad. That's pretty surprising. Anyway, uh, Rosario Dawson. Uh, so meanwhile, Catherine Heigl makes some tea and then tapes up David's mouth and hands. Uh, and Rosario Dawson's trying to call nine one one, and Catherine Heigl's like, "Nope," and rips the phone out of the wall and then hits Rosario Dawson with the fire poker. Mm-hmm. And she gives a speech about how you're worthless, you're worthless, you're trying to steal my life. And at this Rosario point, Dawson, the whole time she's holding her up against the wall with this fire poker. And I'm like, you know that's not a sword, right? You could just grab it. <laughs> you should just push it. It's not sharp just, on the side. If you grab onto it, it's fine. Like, then she won't be able to swing it at you. 
Well, but at this point, Rosario Dawson's been broken down to the most yeah. basic fundamental elements of her personality. She's shattered, and she's hitting rock bottom, and it's that rock bottom that she's able to push off of. Yeah. She gets, her, she gets her berserker strength and goes, I want my life, not yours. Pushes her away. They're grappling. They're shoving each other. They break a lot of nice stuff. They're knocking vases over. It's just like that bathroom sex scene, except now it's fighting. But they actually seem to enjoy it a lot more than, than they did in the bathroom sex yep. scene. And they're like choking each other they're scratching each other they're smashing Catherine heigl's head into a glass frame <laughs> yeah that, that was wild out. yeah like this is um this is not even a cat fight this is like a saber-toothed tiger fight like it's crazy <laughs> yeah i bet finally i bet it's fun yeah. for the actresses to 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 do that i bet that that's a fun scene to do what to do like physical stuff like yeah, that like yeah a, like an all-out drag out fight like that I, bet- I mean i would imagine it's fun to yeah i i don't know like is are you talking like how like military guys talk about that like you know they might not like the act of violence but like they're trained for it so they might as well like the act of being able to use what they're trained for yeah. is really rewarding. That's what I'm saying. Catherine Heigl is trained for this kind of violence. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm yeah, sure well, she took she like stage combat. By, she was personally taught by Gremlin Battler. Yeah, yeah. On the on the set of The Ugly Truth, he was like, "Listen, you might hopefully you'll never have to use these skills." to battle a gremlin or Rosario Dawson. <laughs> but I'm going to teach him to you. And while she was shooting this movie, it was like, oh, my training is coming. It was just like in, uh, in Karate Kid. Mm-hmm. She's like, Gerard Butler, why do I have to wax your car? You're going to learn from it. Trust me. And then while she's fighting Rosario Dawson, she's like, oh, I'm using my waxing hand motions to fight, fight her off in this stage combat. <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah, she's like, Gremlin Battler, why are you always making me make fire uh, fires in your fireplace with this fireplace poker? He's like, you'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, eventually Rosario Dawson manages to knock Catherine Heigl out uh, and there's she moves to another room and they have the most incredibly lazy villain returns from seeming destruction th- vanquishment where Catherine Heigl just walks back into the room very casually yeah like it's like a, the moment in every horror movie where you thought they defeated the bad guy but then the bad guy comes back here it's literally like Catherine Heigl walks into the room as if to be like, is the movie over yet? Are we done? Oh, I mean, oh, I'm a bad guy now. Uh, it just is very lazy. Uh, but then Catherine Heigl sees herself in a mirror with scratches on her face. Her her perfect face has been ruined. She's not and perfect she says, like mommy anymore. Yeah, exactly. And she looks in the, in the reflection and says, why do you always ruin everything? And she's got a knife in her hand. Now she's reached rock bottom. She's looking at herself in the mirror, and you know what? She doesn't like what she sees. Uh, Rosario Dawson is holding a knife that she's taken from Catherine Heigl. And Catherine Heigl, like a Greek tragic hero of old or a samurai having failed her master, which in this uh-huh. case is her perfect mommy, walks onto the knife, impaling herself and she says, villicide. And she says, don't let my daughter remember me like this or something, right? Yeah. Yeah, she's like, don't, don't tell my daughter that I did this or something. She's like, at last the nightmare is over. Well, it's just like <laughs> she, I, I wish. I wish she had been gone. Get, she had impaled herself, and then been like free at last. And died. <laughs> yeah, the curse dies with me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure how they're going to keep this from the daughter. I mean, the fact that she's like dead of a uh, knife wound uh, from. Oh no! They're going to pull a weekend at Bernie's, and it's just uh, mommy stopped by. <laughs> yeah, just marionetting her dead body around. But this is also the point of the movie where I'm just like. I was I was actually getting like legitimately worried about what was happening in the movie because like 
Catherine Heigl walked onto a knife that Rosario Dawson was holding, and the police already think that Rosario Dawson is a, a bad guy. So I was and like, we don't know what that guy's brain is going to exactly. be like. Exactly. I was like, that. Yeah. You better pray that that guy does not die because he is the only witness that could corroborate your version of events at this point. To be honest, if that's the way the movie ended, here's the better ending of this movie, where mm-hmm. the police show up. Better ending story. That. What? It said better ending story. Yeah, just like the hit film, The Better Ending Story, <laughs> where a kid reads a, a novel and he's like, this novel didn't end very well. Uh, let's put a luck dragon in there. Let's, uh, yeah, let's have the rock you, biter uh, drive his fucking big wheel through. You're a yeah. superstar. Yeah, uh, so I like it. It would be better if the police... <laughs> I'm glad that your better ending is Roseanne. <laughs> yeah. The what? Your, your better, better ending, ending is, Roseanne. is Roseanne, is what I said. <laughs> curse, <laughs> curse this technology that we're using. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, if Rosar- so the way it ends is cut to after the wedding. Er- they live in San Francisco now. Everybody's happy. Whitney, C- Whitney Cummings brings in donuts. And then Catherine Heigl's mom shows up. Uh-oh. And she brought a gift basket, too. <laughs> yeah, and That's she the fucking, scary part. She fucking but turns to the camera and her fucking eyes turn into cat's eyes. <laughs> it's, you know, she turns into, uh, what's her name from Pee-wee's Big Adventure? What's the trucker lady's name? Large Marge. Large Marge. How do you just, not? Yeah, that's like the goes, easiest. <laughs> Large Marge is the easiest name to remember. <laughs> <laughs> I was I wanted to say Big Bertha, but I knew that wasn't it. Here's the ending the way it should have ended. The police show up. They see Rosario Dawson's fingerprints on this knife. Rosario Dawson, they think already killed her ex-boyfriend. Rosario Dawson's fingerprints on the fire poker because she was struggling with it. She knows, and they're like, clearly, Catherine Heigl discovered what you wanted what you were trying to do in destroying this family and you killed everybody. No, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. And she shows up and uh, they take her away. And then the grandma comes, comes by, takes the girl and says like, well, I'm going to raise you right from now on. Cut to the sequel, Unforgettable 2, mm-hmm. where the grandma's the bad guy. But no, they didn't do that. Instead, they still have a grandma coming by, I guess setting it up for the sequel, Unforgettable 2, Granny's in Town. But, <laughs> it's, but everybody's living the life great in San Francisco. So I don't know. Everywhere you look, there's a smile. That's San Francisco. Uh, all right. But, it, but it's so funny. It's that like the movie is like it's so funny how uh, the movie was just like, everything's OK, right? No, it's not. And you as the viewer are like, I know it's not OK, because if it was, the movie would be over. It's just like at the end of Casino Royale where uh, Daniel Craig and his girlfriend are just jet-setting around, and you're like, I know it's going to turn out there's a problem because otherwise the movie would be over. (laughs) You wouldn't be spending five to ten minutes showing me them having a great time. That's not Mm -hmm. what movies do. Yeah, it's like at the end of Red Dead Redemption where you're like, I guess guess I'm just going to go hang out with my family now that I beat all the bad guys. (laughs) Spoiler alert. I mean, it's an old game, but... Man, you're like, I guess I guess I'll just teach my son how to go hunting. Nothing bad could ever happen. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We've gone way, way, way long on this. Uh so let's quickly do fi- It turns out we didn't for- we didn't forget that much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's do final judgments, whether this is a good bad movie, a bad bad movie, or a movie we kinda liked. Stuart, what do you think? Uh I don't think this is necessarily a good bad movie because it's not inept and I don't think there's a lot to like laugh at. I also don't necessarily like I guess it's closer to a bad, bad movie than to a movie I kind of liked, but I thought it was all right. Like, it it was better than I expected it to be, uh, if that's anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't the worst one of these we've watched. I'm gonna quali- <laughs> I'm gonna qualify it as good bad. It's not quite right. It's not like laughably bad. Like you're gonna have fun, you know, drinking beers and making fun of it with pals or something like that. But it's like one of those lifetime network movies, like but a big budget, uh you know, big stars version of that. And there's something strangely compelling about that shit. You know, like the campiness is kind of fun. So I actually kind of enjoyed watching it. Uh, yeah. The more it leans into like the campiness is the best stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would also call it a qualified good, bad movie. Like, like you're saying it moves a little too slowly to be like a pop it in and, and rag on it type of thing. But it is, it does get crazy and it is super tawdry. Uh, so I would I would call it a good bad movie. Oh, sorry about that. Just had to dispatch some goons real quick. Hi, I'm April Wolf, lead film critic at LA Weekly, and when I'm not kicking butt, I'm hosting the new Maximum Fun podcast, Switchblade Sisters. Do you love genre films? Do you love female filmmakers? Do you love discussions on craft? If your answer is yes, you'll love Switchblade Sisters. Every episode, I invite one female filmmaker on, and we talk in-depth about their fave genre film and how it influenced their own work. So we're talking horror, action, sci-fi, fantasy, bizarro, and exploitation cinema. Mothers, lock up your sons, because the Switchblade sisters are coming for you. Available at MaximumFun.org or wherever you find your podcasts. What's up? I'm James, the co-host of Minority Corner. And look at that! The other co-host of Minority Corner. Girl, guess what? What? We just hit our 100th episode. What? And what do you think is going to be in store for the next 100? Probably some more feuds with Jennifer Hudson. And I'm telling you, I'm We'll probably do more investigative say. reporting, too, like we did with the Kodak and their racist film. Not to mention exposing the truth, like how we did with the ugly history of the Texas Rangers. But we always lighten the mood with a splash of pop culture. Olivia Pope's new wig, have you seen that? It's popping. Just like your lip gloss. And Janet Jackson. And you know we like to put our nerd glasses on and talk about things like Marvel. It's true. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't speak about DC. But you just did. (laughs) What? All from a perspective that's black, queer, and ladylike. So come on over and learn, laugh, and play, and join the corner. It's a lot of fun. I'm having fun right now. (laughs) (laughs) Minority Corner. So we've got multiple sponsors for the podcast yay today keeping the lights on what's that ringing noise that i hear on your uh end of the oh that's just Elliot. water going through the pipes in oh, the okay house, i think <laughs> did it did it turn off just then yeah. yeah it just turned off yeah that was water going through the pipes yeah it sounded like almost like a doorbell or something it was not um well this I actually is- don't have a doorbell Fascinating stuff for the podcast. Mm-hmm. But you don't have a doorbell. How do people announce their arrival? Do you have a herald? <laughs> yes, I have a I have a I have a herald named Harold who stands outside. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, "Let me tell everybody, hey, <laughs> hey, you, hey, the food, the food's here, hey." And I'm like, "Oh, okay, thanks." Uh, speaking of food, Blue Apron. Oh, oh, what a pro! What a pro! Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. How it works is you get a a box full of fresh ingredients sent directly to your home, uh, portioned out perfectly with instructions on how to make uh, like three recipes. Uh, (laughs) 
And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Go on. And you have them for food. You eat them for your meals. <laughs> yeah. So you if have them for food. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I. I mentioned this before. My wife and I make Blue Apron kind of regularly, and uh, yeah, we dig it. It's uh, it's nice to get a lot of all your ingredients, uh, not having to go to the store and pick out. I don't know. End up buying way more than what you're going to need. And you I don't also end up with like a whole package of xanthan gum. Yeah, exactly. Never gonna I'm use like, what again. am I going to do with all this xanthan gum? Uh, and the I also like that they portion out the meals a little better because I know when I cook at home, I'm like, oh, there's I'm going to have rice tonight. I'm going to have so much rice you'll never uh, I can bury myself in all the rice I'm about to eat. <laughs> but if they if they have specifically things like starches and stuff, they're a little bit more uh, controlled with. Uh, you guys know, you guys know, the thing I hate most about cooking is the measuring. Yeah. yeah. So I'm glad to have I, that taken out of my hands. I find that I weird, it. but I'm glad that Blue Apron I can solve it. that problem for you. When it says, like, put in a pinch of this, and I'm like, my fingers aren't the same size as the person who wrote this, probably. My hands are small. They're not like large like yours, as mm-hmm. Jewel said. It's your, like, I need your hands. Your hands pinches. are small, I know, but they're not yours. They are your own. What's that? It's a Tori Amos song, I think. No, it's Jewel. Jewel, that's right. Like I just said. The same, uh, a, uh, from the same time period of, of, of songs. Is this a fucking ad for Jewel century? or Blue Apron? Yeah. <laughs> it's an ad for Jewel Kilcher, new book of poetry. Uh, in uh, stores yeah, now, so I, I assume. So it's, Blue Apron's great because you don't have to measure anything. You just dump it in out of the containers. Yeah. Uh, and then you get to do that fun thing where you slice open the uh, the cold packets and watch all the goop come out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, cold goop. <laughs> well, listen. Check out your uh, check out this week's menu and get thirty dollars off your first meal with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash flophouse. You will get you will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash Flophouse, Blue Apron, a better way to cook. We're also <clears throat> sponsored in part today by Casper, a sleep brand that is dedicated to creating an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. Their uh, mattresses are affordable because Casper sells directly to you, the consumer. Um, Casper brand mattresses combine multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep service with the right amounts of both sync and bounce. And you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it <laughs> trial. So if you're you, so good. Yeah, you're yeah. doing really good. You can, uh, so if you don't like it, you can return it uh, as long as it's not been 100 nights. <laughs> uh, it's so, like, Dan, give us, give us your Casper testimonial. You use a Casper mattress, and you, you said you sleep so well that... Ghosts can't wake you up, which I guess is why they call it Casper Mattress. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sleep so well that Archie can't wake me up, climbing over me uh, as he does constantly during the evenings. But does it give you, when Archie's climbing all over you, do you have like really weird dreams? Yeah. <laughs> Where you're I, like, I'm covered in spiders or. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm being. Did you ever dream a cat was walking on you and when you woke up, your pillow was gone? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I woke up and I was married to my pillow. It was weird. <laughs> it's very weird. How would you find a, a pastor or a priest that would perform that ceremony? Elliot, you give someone enough money, they'll do anything. 
Hmm, interesting. <laughs> I see the thought balloon forming above Elliot's head. Interesting. Start start sleeping. I didn't I didn't mean that to be dirty. It sounded dirty. Yeah, you're gross. Uh, start sleeping ahead of the curve with Casper. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash flophouse and using promo code flophouse, all one word, at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. And real quickly, we also have an ad from ZipRecruiter. Wow. No, so here's what I want everybody to do. First, go sign up for Blue Apron, get some food. Then... Go sit on your Casper mattress to eat it, and then get ready to hire some people as ZipRecruiter. Dan, tell them all about it. Well, look, what if hiring could be easier? Hiring, oh, I man. assume, is pretty hard. Not, yeah, it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> uh, what if it can be easy, Stu? What if it can be more streamlined and less time-consuming? I love it. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to over 100 job boards with just one click. And ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on the right candidates finding you. It finds them. What? A turnabout. By actively notifying <laughs> qualified candidates about your job. No wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Flophouse. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Flophouse. I realize you could live a whole life using just the things that sponsored us today. Blue Apron? There's your meals taken care of. Uh-huh. Casper mattress. There's your bed. Maybe your home if you want to live in a tent mm-hmm. made out of a mattress. Yeah, I mean, you, and, you uh, might have that like Japanese minimalist lifestyle where everything serves multiple purposes in your home. Mm-hmm. And you only keep exactly. those things that give you joy. Yeah, yeah, like Casper's and Blue Aprons. Ironically, not a DVD of the movie Joy, which gave no one any joy. <laughs> Throw it away. And then ZipRecruiter, it's like, hey, I need a job to afford this fancy blue apron Casper mattress lifestyle. Maybe I'll hire somebody and then they'll hire me. And they go to, you go to ZipRecruiter and you do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a perfect, uh, tr- tr- it's what we call a perfect triad. <laughs> I guess we call it that now. <laughs> I guess yeah, I'm, I really I'm fucking locked in. <laughs> no, Something witty. Just a bunch of words I said with a lot of stumbling at the end that uh, I wish the audience could have seen Stuart's look of disgust <laughs> when I reached the end of that <laughs> like, interminable like, sentence. After- okay, guys. We also have us a hot Jumbotron. Yeah. From uh, Whoa, steaming Jumbotron right out of the jumbo. Yeah, let me, let me get my uh, pot holders because this one's coming in super hot. Okay, are you ready? Okay, let's start. Do you. <laughs> okay, now let's start over. Do you like. Sorry. Okay, I'll start over again. Do you like movies, pickle babies, and tiny apple pies? How about current events? If you like the. First three, and you're willing to put up with the fourth one, try Decades Podcast. We talk about movies from the olden times versus movies from nowadays and drink weird cocktails. You like drinks that look back at you? We've got them. Learn about, learn about great and terrible movies you've never heard of, like Gabriel Over the White House and The oh, Silent really Command. Cool Listen to the pod and read the blog at decadespodcast.wordpress.com. So that's it. Listen to Decades Podcast wherever you get your ear candy.
And read the blog at decadespodcast.wordpress.com. Now, is ear candy drugs that you take through your ears? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's audio cocaine. Like, comment, subscribe, and imbibe. I like, I like that tagline. Mm-hmm. That's, that's quite a call to action. Gabriel over the White House is a crazy movie. I haven't seen it. I'll, have to, I'll have to check out the pod. Uh, I just want to quickly give a shout out to our friend Chuck Bryant. Chuck Bryant. Of the Stuff You Should Know podcast. Stuff You Should Know. Uh, Husband of Lane Bryant. Oh. He's not, uh, he's not a Max Fun. And grandson of William Jennings Bryan. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I'll keep talking. Uh, not a um, Max Fun personality, but certainly Max Fun adjacent, as he's uh, been at a lot of Max Fun cons, doing things like running uh, the trivia with John Hodgman. Yeah, and he's just a great guy. Uh, and uh, he just launched a new podcast on November third called Movie Crush, uh-huh. where uh, as I'll quote him, I sit down with awesome people to chat about their all-time favorite movie. And he's done shows with people like Tig Notaro, John Hodgman, Kevin Pollock, uh, Ken Jennings, Roman Mars. Is Kevin Pollock's favorite movie a movie with Kevin Pollock in it? I, yeah, s- I have to assume it's Grumpy or Old Man. <laughs> yeah, it's just, no, his favorite movie is just him doing a Columbo impression. It's weird. <laughs> it's not technically a movie, but all yeah. out. So uh, just check out Movie Crush on behalf of our buddy. And before we move on, there's two things that we should mention about ourselves. Okay. The first is... Let's toot our own horns. Guys, get your horns out for some tootin'. Mm-hmm. We have got a live show coming up December 9th, that's a Saturday, in lovely San Francisco, home of Rosario Dawson's character in Unforgettable. Oh, that's near amazing. Cervantes Street? From Soul Calibur? I don't think it's on Cervantes Street. Uh, it's at the Marines Memorial Theater. That's Dece- the night of Saturday, December 9th. Tickets are still available, but for how long? It's going to be our last live show of the year. Yeah. yeah. And it's the last one's scheduled it's, it's, right now, too, for the future. We're looking into other ones, but we don't know where or when those will be just yet. So get so on this one. the last chance for the foreseeable future to see us in person, all three peaches together, unless one of us hurts our back or our knee mm-hmm. or dies in an avalanche or something. But then we dedicate the the, the show to them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it should be a lot of fun. So that's San Francisco, December 9th, 2017. It's a Saturday. And tickets are available. Go to flophousepodcast.com slash event, and uh, you'll be able to, it'll take you right to the link for it. Another thing you should go to the Flophouse Podcast website, if you go to flophousepodcast.com slash comics, uh-huh. is our current round of comics. Uh, they're based on the theme of love, and every, every proceed that goes to it, uh, all the profits from it, go to Hurricane Relief for Puerto Rico. It's crazy that it's been so long, and they're still struggling with the aftermath of the hurricane. And buy these comics, and that money will go to them. Yeah, we're talking. We're talking about. We're talking about American citizens here. Yeah, American citizens who are who are living a a, a unthinkable uh, calamity yeah. right now. Uh, and you get something out of it. You get great comics by Dan, me, and soon Stewart's will be available. Yeah, I think too. mine's coming out soon. The uh, I've been getting previews of the art, and it looks super awesome. I can't wait to see it uh, all finished. I, I know Dan's really proud of his story. I'm extremely proud of my story. Uh, these comics are coming out real great. If you haven't read them, 
go read them and know that you're helping your fellow Americans, or if you're listening to this and you're not an American, that you're helping an American. And we need all the help we can get right now. Uh, so that's flophousepodcast.com slash comics. And if you don't live in San Francisco, you should probably just buy plane tickets and go there for a live show. Yeah. I mean, it's not unheard of. It's happened before. Sorry, I just, yeah. I, I just got a concerning text message that just says, so much cat puke. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, time to get uh, to the bottom of this mystery. <laughs> Hicks? Question mark? Okay. <laughs> that does sound more like the kind of mystery that Encyclopedia Brown would be dealing with. Sure. Bugs Meanie's trying to sell cat puke to people and passing it <laughs> off as Dan's Chili. <laughs> <laughs> And he has some fact about uh, something that happened in the 19th century that proves Bugs Meanie's wrong. (laughs) So, Dan, what do we do next? Now it's time to uh, answer a few letters from listeners. And the first letter is from Kyle, last name withheld. Katarn. Who writes... Yep, Star Wars character Kyle Katarn. I was delighted to hear Stuart mention the 1990 classic Ski Patrol on a recent episode. I probably watched that movie a hundred times when I was a kid, but I hadn't seen it in so long I assumed I had made it up. I looked it up on IMDb just for shits and grins and discovered that the character of Stanley, the awkward but lovable weirdo of the group, was played by fucking Paul Feig. Is this common knowledge that I just acquired or did I just blow your goddamn minds? My question (laughs) is this. If only factoids about Ski Patrol could still blow my mind. (laughs) (laughs) My question is this. Have you ever discovered someone from a favorite movie in an unexpected place? Or have you ever realized someone from the current zeitgeist was in a childhood favorite, but you had no idea? Thanks for the hours of entertainment. Keep up the great work. Kyle, last name withheld. Um... Yeah, I think the closest I can think of to that, it's not like a favorite that was, neither of these are favorites of mine, but uh, that the, uh, in the movie Mac and Me, there's a scene <laughs> with a dance number inside of a McDonald's, and there's a moment where the camera zooms in on this little girl that is dancing her heart out, like she's dancing so hard, and I always felt bad for that little girl because it was like, she thinks this is the beginning of like a huge career, like that she's going to be famous off of Mac and Me. And this, and I always wanted to be like, oh, that poor girl, she didn't know. And then I found out years later, it was TV's Nikki Cox, who's had quite a fine career for herself. Yeah. So it was like, oh, there was a happy ending to this story. Uh, I was really happy. And that dancing, that dancing role in Mac and Me did work out for her. So I guess anyone who was in Mac and Me dancing and has not had a long TV career, you ruined it. So you screwed up somewhere else. It wasn't Mac and Me that did it. Yeah, you can't blame Mac and Me. No, don't blame Mac for this. Maybe me. I don't know. But Mac, certainly not. I mean, I mean, after, you know, after 30 Rock came out, it it was fun to rewatch National Lampoon's Vacation and realize that Jane Krakowski's in it. She's great. I love Jane Krakowski. Yeah. Who does she play in it? She plays, uh, what, Randy Quaid's daughter or something in the uh, they're the they're like cousins that live out in the country. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that was her. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Why don't you uh, why don't you just go rent it from the blockbuster and pop it in and watch it with the family, Elliot? Yeah. Maybe I will. I think Sammy would like it. He'd definitely like hearing Holiday Road. Uh, he would probably like that song. I don't know that he'd really get the rest of the movie, but he'd be like, Where are the Muppets? Why are there no Muppets in this? I think he'd probably be like, 
wow, Christy Brinkley, what a babe. Look at that car she's driving. Yeah, yeah. He would That's be a pretty good impression her. of your son, right? <laughs> yeah, my son's always talking about babes, yep. Uh, I don't have any answer to this specific question, but as long as we're talking about ski patrol, I want <laughs> yeah. to bring up a story about ski school that I can't remember what I've brought up on the podcast before, but uh, I was in a play um, in, in college. You were in Ski School, the musical. It was a play in college with a woman who is Dean Cameron, the star of Ski School's sister. And yeah, when I, I found don't know out, why you just qualified that. I think everybody knows that Dean Cameron <laughs> is the star of Ski School. <laughs> when I found out that he was a, that they were uh, that she was his sister, it blew my mind. And I'm like, the star of Ski School <laughs> and Ski School Two mm-hmm. and Summer School. Yep. And, I don't uh, know if he's the star of Summer School. Chainsaw. Yeah, I would I would take issue with that. Chainsaw is the breakout star of Summer School. I mean, no, I don't know the breakout character, but not the star. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's at best the third lead. But uh, yeah, I just I just enjoyed seeing like the look of dawning horror as as I was able to pull all these uh, semi obscure mm-hmm. like kind of exploitationy films out of my brain uh, and list her brother's credits to her and her sort of like mentally yep. backing away from me. <laughs> yeah, the look in her eyes as she's <laughs> scanning the room for possible exits. Exactly. <laughs> um. So moving on, this name, this name, his name, <laughs> the name of the next person is Nathan Last Name Withheld. Mm-hmm. Nathan Lane, sure. And he writes, hello, Peaches. On the Monster Trucks episode, I heard Elliot make an offhand reference to the Firesign Theater. My dad introduced me to the further adventures of Nick Danger and probably ruined me for life. They're one of my favorite obscure comedy references, which I try and introduce to, uh, do, introduce friends to any chance I get. My question is this. What are some obscure comedies you intri- you've tried to introduce friends and family to? And what do you do when they don't laugh at the classic line, open up in there, your door knocker fell off. Yours, Nathan, last name withheld. So, have you tried to introduce I mean, people to obscure afterwards. comedies? I've been trying to do it. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of lower tier 30s comedians like Wheeler and Woolsey that I find very mm-hmm. funny in the movies, and I've kind of given up trying to share those movies with people because it's like forget it, never mind. You're not gonna like this so much. Um, but Firesign Theater, uh, it's great, but you kind of have to you have to be impeded into that into the wavelength for them, and that's been one that uh, that I've tried to introduce people to, and they're like, eh, there aren't very many jokes in it. I'm like, it's full of jokes. What are you talking about? Anyway, that wasn't a very interesting answer, but it's the truth. Normally, a response like yours opens them up to comedy at that point, where you're like, (laughs) there's tons of jokes, and they're like, oh, you make a good point. I should like this more. Um, I mean, I I know when my wife and I first started dating, uh, I think I I definitely tried to introduce her to like, uh, this, you know, this was years ago, but uh, to like Graham Linehan comedies, like Father Ted and... Uh, black books and I don't know the IT crowd, and this was years ago before Graham Linehan became a problematic like. Uh, but Charlene just did not take to it. It was far too British for her. Yeah, uh, I don't. I pro- I think I may have related this story on the podcast before. It's so hard to remember after so many episodes what I'm boring people by reiterating. But uh, 
But uh, this is uh, well. I mean, if he, if the question is, are you boring people? Then just assume yes. Okay, uh, that's you know that brings a lot of freedom with it, Elliot. Like, yeah, I, exactly. There you I go. I don't have to worry about it anymore. Um, yeah, it's not an obscure comedy group by any means, but I remember exposing a female friend to the Marx Brothers and the scenes where Harpo runs after women uh, through the scene don't play quite as well in this modern world. Mm-hmm. They seem a little more uh, sexual assaulty than uh, they played perhaps at the time. And my explanation that Harpo is kind of a, a sexless imp who wouldn't know what to do with a woman uh, is is was not taken on on value. Yeah, I mean it's it's I mean that sort of thing's weird. I mean because it is. I mean, obviously, it was a different time, mm-hmm. and you, it's harder to use the argument of like they should know better. I mean, they fucking should have known better. But uh, it's not like the first season of. Brooklyn Nine Nine, where they had Joe Latruglio's character being like a weird, creepy stalker dude right. the whole time, and you're like, "Uh, you guys should definitely know better than this at this point." Yeah. <laughs> what are you looking at, Elliot? Well, Elliot's scanning his what movie I'm going to recommend later. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, and by the way, going back, I I did not mean to mention like those shows were. Uh, what like unknown or under uh, underappreciated faves? They're just uh, the experience I had was very similar to what the the writer described. The moment of me looking at the joke, laughing and looking for recognition and mild annoyance was all I got. <laughs> uh, so last letter is from first name withheld Joseph, last name withheld, and. What a complicated name. (laughs) He writes, Dear Floppies, Firstly, it's always a pleasure to hear all of your voices every time a new episode comes out. Whether it be the smooth bass of Stuart, the Midwestern drawl of Dan, and then there's Elliot. Who sang treble. Recently, recently I rewatched Darren Aronofsky's controversial movie Noah. His take on the classic story of the flood divided many people, both religious and non-religious alike, and I was one of them. I'm not a religious man myself, but I found the film to be initially tone deaf with its bizarre sci-fi themes in such a religious tale. After rewatching it, however, I found new joy with better understanding of what the movie was about. Aronofsky was going for a much bleaker take on the flood and the more bizarre moments of the film, like the rock monsters and Noah's In the Beginning tale, really make this biblical adaptation stand out. My question is, what are some films that made you go from hating it to actually liking it? And how did you feel about Aronofsky's Noah if you saw it in general? As always, keep on flopping in the free world. Sincerely, uh, first name withheld, Joseph, last name withheld. What a complicated name. Yeah, I don't like it. I mean, I, th- I, think, uh, I think an example of a movie kind of similar was, uh, was seeing Prometheus in the theaters. Because there's a lot of things that I liked about it, but it felt like, I'm like, wait, this is supposed to be a prequel to Alien. Why isn't this better at being a prequel to Alien and being really frustrated by it? Um, but the more I thought about it, the more, and then seeing it a second time, I totally came around on it and was like, I don't give a shit if it's a prequel to anything. <laughs> yeah, I'm having a hard time with this because I'm not saying that I'm like, I'm always right. And so my opinions never change. But I rarely like have an experience 
like this. I don't, and I'm like, I nothing's jumping to mind. You're old stick to your guns, McCoy. That's what we call you. I am old stick to my guns, McCoy. I mean, it's much more likely that a movie I liked initially, then I reevaluate and I'm like, oh, this isn't so good. Like, you're talking about Monster Squad. <laughs> I'm talking about something like uh, Forrest Gump, which the first time I saw it, like I was swept up in kind of like the emotion of it and like how technically proficient it is. And then I later on, I was like, oh, this is a weirdly like conservative movie that really celebrates like a go along, get along attitude that I'm not sure that I agree with. And uh, but I mean, more likely I'll try and watch a movie that I know is going to be good and I'm just not in the mood for it. You know, like I remember I tried to watch the movie Repulsion the first time and I was like, I'd heard that it was this great horror movie and I wasn't in the mood at the time for like a slow burn, like someone becoming crazy over time movie. Mm-hmm. And then I watched it later. We're talking about the, uh, we're talking about the early grindcore band Repulsion. Yeah. Right? We're talking about the grindcore band Repulsion. With their album Horrified. Yeah. I get it. It's uh, it takes a couple of listens, you know, but I mean like that was just a pull of like the first movie that I thought of that like I tried to watch and wasn't in the mood for, but then later on was like, this is, very well made and uh that happens more often than me like reevaluating something i think it it hurt it's when a movie is not super obvious with what it's trying to do it can have that effect on me sometimes like uh or if it's an abrasive character sometimes like as much as i love a lot of Wes, most of wes anderson's movies it took me a long time to get into rushmore which mm. i feel like otherwise in our generation people loved it so much but I found the main character so abrasive and hateful and it took me a while to like get into liking the movie despite not wanting to spend time with this character. But uh, then there's a movie like Young Adult, which I haven't watched again yet. But I'm curious to watch it again because the first time I watched it, I like didn't really know what the movie was until very late in the film and I'd already kind of decided I don't like this movie. But watching it now knowing what I'm in for... And like what the movie's trying to get at, I think I might appreciate it more. I don't know. I haven't tried yet. I'm very worried that my uh, saying that Repulsion is a good movie is like going to be taken as an endorsement of Roman Polanski or something. By the way, who is obviously a horrible human being. Uh, yeah, I mean, monsters uh, can make good things. I mean, we li- it's it's the it's on a t- on a it's on a very certain level. Like, you, no one can be such a horrifically evil person that Chinatown stops being an amazing movie. You just have to be like, this is an amazing movie that was made by a terrible person. Yeah. Like a truly terrible person. Yeah, like, you can agree that you like something and not want to support that person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, like, that's a debate that people have, and I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. You could say, I like Chinatown, but, you know, if I met Roman Polanski, I'd punch him in the face. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. But I'm just amazed that old stick to his guns McCoy is suddenly backing away from an opinion uh, that he proffered <laughs> very clearly. Well, <laughs> seems like he's not sticking to his guns anymore. Yeah. Oh, what's this all about? I mean, it sounds that, like his hands are covered in, in something slippery so the guns can't stick to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, they used to be covered in honey, so the guns stuck very well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But lately he's been, you've been, what, uh, working on a car and your hands are covered with grease and oil? So yeah. The guns just slip right out. Mm-hmm. Old slippery guns, McCoy. They call me. Oh, but cool. that's a, that's a debate we that's a debate we can have at another time. But how how okay is it to like something created by a I mean it's by a, a monster? Like I feel like I feel like any debate of pop culture is certainly now more than ever 
that that topic comes up a lot. And I'm sure we've talked about it before here. Oh, yeah. And it's like we're living through this time when it feels like we're living through bad times because we're learning all these bad things. And I think it's it's part of rem- remembering that we're not this stuff didn't just happen. It's not like things were great and then it turned bad like this. The bad stuff has always been around and now we can see it. And that's a better world to live in where this stuff is not hidden anymore. I've been thinking a lot about how like it's not that we're living through this crappy time. It's that people are kicking over the rocks and we can see all the ants and the rot that was always there. And that means you can go about trying to fix it and doing something about it. And that's a better thing. Yeah. You can also say diagnose the problem. You can also say I like Roman Polanski's older movies. I don't want him to ever be able to make another movie again because he's in jail which I think is another suitable attitude to have. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's another option. Um, okay, well, let's move on uh, from serious matters to recommendations of movies that you might want to watch before you watch Unforgettable. There's a finite amount of time in uh, human life, and uh, maybe <laughs> yeah, you got to make some hard choices. The grains in the hourglass <laughs> just slip away. Let's. Wait, wait, wait! No, let's let's just sit for a moment. And let a few of those grains slip by. <laughs> yeah, Dan. Okay. I thought you had one in the knows. fucking chamber when you started this. Oh yeah, no. I was just wondering. I, <laughs> <laughs> you you said Dan went. Let's recommend some movies and then just stop. I was like, <laughs> he's like, okay. He's like, so what are you guys you thinking? <laughs> was gonna jump in with a movie recommendation. I can certainly go first. Yeah, do it. Uh, so I watched recently. I rewatched a movie that. Uh, I had enjoyed very much in the past, but forgotten most of uh, the, the the details of. Um, okay, it's called Unforgettable. Before you get to the film, <laughs> I watched uh, the shot. Dan, is this like Dan? What you're doing right now? It's you're the kid who's like, I can't play this video game till I sit down and read the instruction manual all the way through. Yeah, which I used to do in the bathroom. Uh-huh. I, I got to know the names of all the bad guys before I start <laughs> fighting them. So I need just to tell us about the movie. I need to know the history of Waluigi before yeah. I can battle against. I it. need to know the powers of <laughs> Karubo's shoe. I don't um, even know what that is. Uh, so I watched uh, The Shop Around the Corner, which uh, is oh, a, that's a great movie. Great Ernst Lubitsch movie. Um, it's uh, what You've Got Mail was very loosely based on. Um, and also but, the, uh, the stage musical She Loves Me is based on that. I wasn't even aware that there was such a musical. But, no, it's a good musical. Guys, but, guys, I can confirm that was a lot of cat puke. Okay, you got a photo. Oh, you got in photographic evidence. Yep. I'll just put those up on so, the wiki. It has uh, <laughs> so so. Elliot, is the, are they in Budapest? Is that where it's set? Where's Where's the? Yes, I believe so. It's in. I think it's Budapest. At that time, a number of Hollywood movies, especially those light comedies, were being set in Eastern Europe because the people making them were from Eastern Europe. Right. And Budapest had this reputation for being kind of like one of the glittering cosmopolitan cities of Europe. Right. Uh, but everyone in the movie, the only th- the only thing that really makes it like it's Budapest is that everyone has kind of Hungarian names. Otherwise, it could easily be Spokane or Kansas City or someplace right. like that. You know? But the plot is simple. Uh, Jimmy Stewart is corresponding with a woman that he's falling in love with. Meanwhile, he doesn't realize that the shop girl that he is constantly sparring with uh, is the person that he has been corresponding with. Um, and all sorts of romantic complications ensue, but uh, it has what the people call that Lubitsch touch. It's uh, <laughs> a delight 
it's charming and it's also you know it's a wonderful life is uh you know jimmy stewart's christmas movie it's considered a christmas classic even though only the ending really like happens at christmas and uh, Shop Around the Corner is also set at Christmas. Okay, sorry, Dan. <laughs> yeah. I guess it doesn't count as a Christmas movie. Yeah, it's no Die Hard, says Dan McCoy. <laughs> I just, Gremlins did it better, says Dan when McCoy. It, when, it takes, when it comes to Christmas movies, I'll take I Gremlins or it a, Thin Man. True Christmas classics. <laughs> I consider it a Christmas movie, definitely. I was just fending off any possible argument against it. but um, Dan, you have been so hedging everything you say on this podcast. What is going on today? Why are you so fearful? I don't know. I just I... want to make it clear. I don't like Roman Polanski. I just want to make it clear. I know there isn't a huge amount of actual Christmas, and it's a wonderful <laughs> life. I've also been uh, outside clipping the hedge in front of my apartment building, so I've been doing that oh, hedging so as hedging. well. Uh, no, but it's just another Jimmy Stewart Christmas movie that deserves to be uh, remembered, is all I'm saying. Uh, yeah, it's a great movie. That was uh, one of, uh, as a favorite in, it's a favorite in my family. Yeah. Uh, I'll go next. I'm going to, I'm going to do two quick recommendations. Um, the first one is a movie that I think needs all the love it can get right now because it's crushing it at the box office. That's right. I'm going to recommend Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> Check that shit out. It's great. Um, I I mean, I knew I was going to love it. Uh, I like Taika Waititi's other movies quite a bit. Um, it definitely feels like a comedy with some action thrown in. Um, all the performances are great. Uh, and particularly, I love, uh, I really love the Valkyrie character uh, that is portrayed by Tessa. Valkyrie. Valkyrie, yeah, she's great. Uh, it's, it's one of the first times that I feel like Marvel put a female, like a female superhero on screen who is enjoying being a superhero, like actually seems to be having fun doing this stuff, which is nice to see. I don't know. I feel like her character is in any other movie is the character that would be played by like the fun, like Kurt Russell character. Uh, okay. So I like that. Check it out. Um, and I want to recommend a movie that's a bit of a qualified recommendation, but when I was in Toronto, I was lucky enough to get over to the art gallery of Ontario to see the Guillermo del Toro exhibit, which is a, uh, just a portion of Guillermo del Toro's personal, uh, like museum, like his personal collection of both books, original comic art, uh, as well as props from his movies and other movies. Like they had the mask from Phantom of the Paradise there. Yeah. It was wild. That was pretty great to see. And the like helmet that Dracula wears in the opening of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was awesome. Uh, and some original pages of Bernie Wrightson's Frankenstein, which was amazing. But uh, that going to that exhibit uh, made me excited to go revisit and uh, Guillermo del Toro's movies and also to finally check check out Crimson Peak, which I'd been put off from uh, kind of the negative reviews. And I like Crimson Peak a lot. It is, uh, I think it is a little bit messy and I feel like he repeats himself a little bit, but Guillermo del Toro makes beautiful looking movies and Crimson Peak is no exception. Uh, So yeah, if you're looking for a period piece uh, that might not be the most original story but is filled with kind of beautiful uh, visuals and some i don't know some cool ghost design check it out uh it does also feature guillermo del toro's habit of sticking in 
occasional moments of CGI that looks like shit, but uh, you know, that's okay. Everything else looks great. Speaking of period films with beautiful visuals, that's the kind of movie that I'm going to recommend. I recently saw The Lost City of Z. Oh, wow. The James Gray movie uh, about uh, the true life story of Percy Fawcett, and, who's an ex- uh, and it, British explorer who... And it uh, also features Charlie Hunnam, who is in uh, Crimson Peak. Yeah, oh, that's right. I didn't even... You know the original... Yeah. yeah, the original Son of Anarchy? The <laughs> Uh, Charlie Hunnam is the star of it, and uh, the new Spider-Man is in it later on, and Sienna Miller's in it. And uh, it's a true story about a British explorer who found kind of found this, uh, or believed he had found this ancient city in South America that proved that the South Americans were capable of feats of urban engineering and architecture and civilization that at the time Europeans assumed they were too primitive to ever attain. And then spent the rest of his life trying to find evidence of it that he could use to prove that he was right. And in the process, ends up sacrificing his relationship with his family members, sacrificing his public image at times, sacrificing eventually, possibly his life. You'll find out if you watch the movie. And uh, it's very, very kind of old-fashioned classic-style filmmaking in a way that was really like refreshing to watch in a way. Like, this is... The, the way they used to make prestige movies in the 70s, 80s, or earlier. Uh, and I thought it was really good. At times, uh, Charlie Hunnam is a bit wooden, uh, <laughs> but uh, that's kind of how he is. Yeah. But uh, Rob, Robert Pattinson is in it as his kind of sidekick assistant, and he's surprisingly really funny and, and sprightly. I mean, his character. I think Robert Pattinson kind of gets a bad rap because of the. Uh being in the Twilight, Twilight movies, but like almost everything else I've seen him in, he's been pretty good. At. Yeah. I, I can't, I got a new appreciation of him in this and, uh, it was just like a really good jungle exploration movie, uh, and a movie about, uh, stuffy British people being confronted with the, the, the dangers of, uh, the wild yeah. and, uh, and about family and how family falls apart. Anyway, I thought it was really good. The Lost City of Z. I recommend it. All right. Uh, well, we've all got places to be. So why not? Why? Uh, why I don't. Things? You don't? I thought I was going to hang out here all day. Uh, <laughs> just, uh, just, just lock tug, the door. Collar tug. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for narrating that collar tug, Dan. Yeah. This is the radio. Um, well, anyway. Well, I have, I have some big Hollywood meetings I have to get to with some Hollywood uh, hot shots. Uh, perhaps you've heard of the star of Hot Shots, uh, <laughs> Charlie Sheen. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I haven't heard anything about him for a while. I think he's due for a comeback. He kind of dropped off the radar a yeah. while back, but mm-hmm. he's, people love him. People just love him and we're going to meet and work on a project. Together. Okay. Well, oh, that cool. sounds Good great. Luck. I think, I think Roman Polanski is going to direct it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> again, another guy you don't hear a lot about these days, but, uh, well. and, uh, we've got, and we've got Harvey Weinstein on to produce, so uh, I think it's got we got a real chance at success. Oh boy, <laughs> just just great guys, the whole group. Anyway, so the movie is going to be called Bad Idea, the movie. <laughs> oh wow, I'm glad that you're you're bringing back the the movie subtitle to your, to your project. Just uh, well, we were talking to to theater owners, and they thought if they people walked up to a marquee that just said Bad Idea, they'd be like, "You're right, 
it is a bad idea to waste my limited time on this earth sitting in the dark watching someone else's creation. <laughs> I'm going to go do something in my own life, and then the theater owners don't get money, and the yeah. movie doesn't get money. So we got to call it bad idea of the movie. The same way that people were, they were worried that someone would walk into a theater and say, one hot dog, please. Mm-hmm. And they didn't sell hot dogs at the time. Now they yeah. do in theaters. Now if you walked into a theater and said, one hot dog, please, they'd say, here you go. That's $17. But at the time, they didn't sell that. So people would not know it was a movie called Hot Dog the Movie. Yeah. Now it is. Yeah, when the, when the Alamo Draft House did a screening of Hot Dog the Movie, they made a special menu that did not feature any hot dogs, and people burned the place <laughs> to the ground. All right. Um, rightfully so it's like like Catherine Heigl and her dad it's like when people bought tickets to the emoji movie thinking it was going to be a movie and there was just a giant emoji on the screen and they're like we want our money back and that's why the movie didn't do that well yeah that's the story Uh, anyway the oral history of that (laughs) that's been our show thanks for listening Uh, go to Max Fun to listen to a lot of other great uh, podcasts Mm -hmm. and uh, check it out MaximumFun.org and uh, we'll be back at you sooner than you think. Actually, probably exactly when you think. I don't know why I said yeah, sooner every than two you weeks. Think. Pretty much when it happens. It's on schedule. <laughs> are we going to release like a secret episode, <laughs> like when, like, like a band is playing a secret show at a at a club yeah. somewhere? We'll just be we'll be visiting you in our in your dreams. Uh, but before that happens, let's sign off. I've been Dan McCoy. Hey, I'm Stuart Wellington. Elliot Kalen here at the bottom of an ancient Roman cistern. Remember that joke? I made it earlier. See you later, guys. Bye. I've got, you should see my setup over here, guys. I'm like a regular Rush Limbaugh. I got my microphone. I got my computer. I got my other computer for looking up information. I got my yeah. notes and my notepad. I've yeah, got yeah. my phone for Skyping with you guys. It's like a regular pump up the volume over here. You got your Oxycontin. I've got my Oxycontin because I'm addicted to it. I got my complete lack of decency or moral values. I got a solid gold microphone. I've got like 300 extra pounds. I'm like Rush Limbaugh over here. Uh-huh. You got a, a hot cup of Java and an you know even... It hotter cup of takes <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I'm just worried that I'm accidentally going to drink my cup of takes and then <laughs> no! I have to MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture, artist owned listener supported